Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. When it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com, where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Are you tired of prediction shows? Do you want to fantasy book the companies? Does Bigfoot even really exist? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then check out the podcast that isn't a podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, the standing streamer stands and delivers as he and Vanessa talk about all that's going on in pro wrestling today. Plus, see in-depth conversations with people in and around the wrestling world as guests share their stories and insights about making it in the business. The Putting You Over Podcast. Putting your weeknights over every Tuesday and Thursday. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. My name is Thomas and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the that. mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we right? shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go maybe. way back, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do, we do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The... Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. What do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O... Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it's alright. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C, we spell it with a K. Slow, mate. Take it easy. Two Heels and a Face Wrestling Podcast believes wrestling is a buffet. There's something there for everyone. These guys cover local Chicago indie scene, and all of their episodes can be found at twoheelsandaface.com. The number two heelsandaface.com Hey everyone, my name is referee Tony S and this is Heat, the wrestling podcast. Like you first and foremost, I'm a wrestling fan and for nearly two decades I've maintained law and order inside the squared circle in New England and throughout the country working with some of the best and brightest from wrestling's past, present, and future. Now, I bring my authoritative tell-it-like-it-is style to the podcast world. Join me each week as we go through all the major headlines from the global companies, independents, and in-between. And most importantly, the women will receive the coverage and headlines they truly deserve as they'll empower the second half of the show. Plus, I'll introduce you to my friends and colleagues within all forms of wrestling and entertainment, answer your questions, anything goes. No holds, well, questions barred, and throw in some fun surprises along the way. Get ready for the spark that fuels the flame. Listen on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, Mike Freeland here for the Front Row Material brand for Tuesday, June the 27th, 2023. Remember, if you enjoy our podcast, remember our podcast is absolutely free of charge. We have it no other way. You can find it anywhere fine podcasts are made available. And remember, 
If you like our podcast, then maybe a friend of yours will like it as well. Go ahead and feel free to send the link. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, FM Player, and all points in between. All right, with that being said, let's go ahead and go to the lineup of what's happening tonight. Money in the Bank's coming up. Let's talk about what's happening with that. Who do we expect to come out on top? Also, Forbidden Door. What happened? Who got injured? And who looks like they got injured? But we're going to have to find out about that as well. All of that and so much more. But first, let me bring him in. He's a brother from another mother. He is from Canada. He's my good friend. He's the butt. Mr. Butt, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you? I am fantastic. Excellent. Life, life is good. Everything is good. I turned the air off for the show. And uh, so if I start, like, beating up, you know, just, just know. There's no I, way I'm turning the air off. Not a chance in hell. I feel like if I did a blade job with the amount of sweat I have, it would look like someone needs to call 911. It, it would be that bad. I would have thought you'd bleed gravy. Okay, it was great having you on the show, but let's go ahead and let's bring in J-Bone. Uh, <laughs> J-Bone, good, good friend of the show. He has his podcast, Total Nonstop Impact. They are a long-time running podcast who covers Impact Wrestling. Jay, what's going on, brother? Oh, what's shaking, man? It's good to be on here. I haven't, uh, I tell you what, dude, I, I haven't guessed it on a show in a while. So, uh, this is, uh, I, I was really looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. So. Great, great to have you guys for, for you guys who, um, are familiar with with here in our show his podcast has been around a very very long time and, and when you when you start doing stuff like this you look at the people who've done things for a long time and you say Man, what did they do that really that really worked and sometimes you try to take a few things away from it but you know what you can't you cannot duplicate what they do uh, over on their podcast tell me a little bit about how long you've been doing your show and kind of how all of that kind of started. I was uh, I was actually feeling nostalgic the other day, and I was going back and I was uh, listening to watching some of the shows that I was doing with Kyle and Trent about about four years ago that I joined those 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 crazy bastards. And then uh, within the last year or so, you know, life changes. You know, you hosts come and go, and I've kind of I've kind of taken the whole thing under my wing now. So we do that every Thursday. We've got a great UK team that comes in on wednesdays and they do their stuff too nice. uh, and they've really uh grown up grown their own crowd as well uh me personally i've been podcasting now this is my 10th year wow. i've been a part of some uh some different families i was with uh rambling about wrestling podcast i was with um the wrestle addict guys i don't yes. know if you're familiar with ant yes the good old antster yeah he <laughs> he brought me in and i was a part of a couple other things but um but yeah as far as being most proud of uh what i've all you know done in uh for the complete history of everything i've done uh it'd be a cross between uh a my smash this podcast which is 10 years running now or um the total non-stock impact stuff we've uh being a part of that i tell you man the, the fan base is uh I, i've never had a better fan base honestly just amazing and it's it's and it's worldwide too it's you never knew who you're gonna hit it's interesting when you do a podcast and i think you touched on it you don't know who's listening from what part of the world are listening i mean right. people from singapore people from india china wherever it may be uh australia and you're like wow that's africa really cool. yeah it's, yeah it's mind-blowing like like we'll get an email from trent saying um oh by the way we charted in saudi arabia this week or whatever you know i was like what 
It's like, you know, yeah, just, you know, and, and that that's all real inconsistent. Like, you never know. It's like, like you said, like Singapore one week and then Vietnam or something like that. And yep, just, you know. Yeah, that's the, the world of podcasting. And, and we were talking about before we started recording. I mean, you know, if you're if you're looking about doing this, um, it's it's the ebb and flow. I mean, you're going to have months that are great and you're thinking you're we're on top of the world. And then you're going to have stretches where it's like ah, a little lean on the bone here. But um, you do it because you love to do it and if we can make a buck or two along the way awesome but i think and maybe you would agree with me this you do it because it's a part of who you are and it's fun oh totally yeah it's uh it's it's it really has become fun i mean i was inspired by some some other people that i used to watch on youtube you know about a decade ago and i was like well crap i could do that so i just i just started doing it you know and it just and then it just it's you start attracting different people people start noticing and and you're just you're off to the races and i uh i i feel like i missed my calling it had i started like a few years earlier i feel like it that really would have uh you know boosted things up because there's some others out there that are just insanely bigger and you know they started it's like it's like oh man i was just that close but you know whatever it is it is what it is you know and it's not you know we, we don't we don't brag about the numbers and stuff like that it's we're, we're not that kind of crew like we're just happy with uh what we have we have the greatest audience in the world so amen i agree 100 percent with that one um so kind of let's start off doing a little impact uh discussion right here a big star in impact wrestling and i would almost say a bigger star in impact than she was in wwe once again that's my opinion is mickey james uh article coming out from e-wrestling news today mickey james obviously vacated her impact world championship on april due to a broken rib after a shoulder injury um that happened on a february 26 taping of impact wrestling now fightful is actually reporting now that she's healthy and she could return very soon um she had made a couple of comments mickey said she was expected to remain with impact wrestling until uh, at least the summer the end of the summer sources through the company said that before the injury that was kind of the the goal for her now another source said that despite the fact mickey lee uh, is still with them she's also a free agent in the same time so she's kind of got feet in both uh worlds right here a lot of people believe that she will come back and she has made such an indelible impression on the impact roster since she's been there so let me kind of first butster let me ask you this do you think mickey james is more known as a wwe star or an impact star because i think sometimes that might be a hard thing to say I would, she's probably more recognized from WWE just because they're so much bigger. Sure. But I think she's made a bigger well, impact on impact just for what she's done with, with the Federation. You know, she helped grow the, the women's organization. So I would imagine it's she, because she was definitely seen more when she was with WWE. Uh, I think that's a fair thing to say. But her career has probably meant more and she's definitely affected more people on impact. No, I agree with you on that one. Jay, what was your thoughts on uh, on Mickey herself as a performer? And, you know, when we look at the totality of what she's done, where do you think that she's left the biggest footprint? She's, well, first of all, she's iconic because just because she has gone, um, you know, she started out and this this goes back to my my podcast that we, we, we did the stretch of reviewing all the asylum shows. The NWA TNA shows that we did them like one one you know episodically one per week, and that's where Mickey got her start. I mean, she did some indie stuff before that, but she started with Raven's Flock or whatever he called it at the time. Yep, 
then she went off to the WWF's developmental at the time. And then she, you know, she got big with Trish and that whole, that whole division at, at their time, whoever was all on there. So, I mean, she's, she's done great stuff across the board. Whatever, wherever she's planted her foot, pardon me, whether it was in the knockouts division, WWF, WWE, you know, whatever she's, um, she's done great things all over the place. But, um, I mean, I'm, I'm biased when it comes to impact wrestling. It's like the little train that could, you know, it's, <laughs> she, that just, uh, you, you, you put her in, uh, the landscape of the whole knockouts roster and it just makes it so much more special. It really does. You know, when they bring back veterans, they don't stink up the place. You look at Taylor Wilde, you look at, well, hell, look at Johnny Swinger. I mean, he's a goofball, but damn, <laughs> he's still in great shape. Um, Tommy could probably use a few less donuts, but you know, <laughs> other than other than that, man, that roster is stacked. Yeah, they got a lot of great talent, obviously, with the addition of Nick Aldis uh, coming in as well. I mean, yeah. once again, interesting talk about Mickey James right there. So you know, fun fact, uh, Mickey James, Nick Aldis, Tommy Dreamer are going to be doing a show here in a couple months' time. Oh, nice! Along with um, is Kron from the Ascension? Con, uh, Con, sorry, big He's Con, be, yeah, yeah. They're all going to be here for a, for an event in two months' time or something. Nice. So re- refresh everybody. When you say here, what do you mean by here, Butster? Uh, in Kingston. Well, it's going to be a Deserano technically. It's uh, about 30 miles west of here. Okay. So there's a big Legends convention that they're having. Nice. Uh, Tatanka's going to be at it. Uh, Brutus the Barber is going to be at it. So it's oh. put, put off by um, Chinlock Wrestling. Jan Murphy, local promoter here in town, here in Kingston. Love me some classic beefcake. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. So. <laughs> why is he not? Why is he not? You know what I would love to hear? And I know a lot of it would be BS because I don't know who tells a better story or spins a better story than Hulk Hogan. God love the Hulkster. But the BS alarm has to go off just about every single time the man tells a story. Never take the guy fishing because I guarantee he probably caught the biggest fish there ever was. But when it comes to legends, I'm surprised Beefcake and Hogan and some other people haven't, you know, just kind of got around on the microphone and, and told some more stories. Now, I do remember Hogan uh, had Beefcake, and I think he had a Honky Tonk as well, and one of the Bushwhackers on a um, on a tour at one point where they went around and it was just uh, them sitting on stools. I don't know if you guys remember that, but just kind of surprised that they didn't throw their, their towel in the conversation piece and want to go ahead and get a podcast started. Oh, Hulk would be hard pressed. He's got some skeletons in his closet that I'm sure people will not forgive. So yeah. I'm sure that doesn't help things. Well, Brutus is Brutus. He'd, he'd more or less do whatever Hulk was doing realistically because like, they had a fallen out at one point, but I think they're, good now are they not i, last I, I do believe they're on last time i heard they're on better terms yes yeah i think they're okay so yeah, that'd be interesting yeah. Dude, i'm doing a stand-up show now when it comes to some of these independent i think impact wrestling was the one promotion that really started the whole you can work for us but you can also take outside dates am i correct in that as far as promotions go that was the first one that allowed that i think so i mean i, I think it all depends on what the contract is you know some obviously are exclusive like i'm gonna work for impact and that's it 
depending on what's going on in their life. But then, uh, you know, Tony came along, uh, good old TK from AEW, and he, I think he allows certain ones up to a point, depending on where they are in the card. Mm -hmm. Like, Mox can pretty much do whatever the hell he wants. He goes, wrestles with uh, Sammy Callahan and Pro, uh, was that uh, Revolver or whatever? Yep. You know, he also does stuff for New Japan. So it cracks me up. You're talking about the independence and MJF calls New Japan you yes. know, a, a, a shindy. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> cracks me up. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, it, impact. Impact certainly has uh, let people do that for the for the longest time, and um, it's just it's nice when you can let your talent spread their wings a little bit, depending on where they're at in their career. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. I think it's uh, that whole independent contractor thing. I think promoters have gotten around that to the point where it's all, we all know it's BS. Right. But I think that they should be able to go ahead and and work for other companies if they can get dates booked, unless they got a guaranteed contract, which is some serious money. And if the promoter says, hey, I don't want to see you get hurt, then that's a little bit different situation. But if they're just independents, then then why not allow that person to try to make as much money as they can? Because your career, unless you're a big name star, is not very long. Let's also talk about a couple things with Impact. Something that I thought was interesting and sad because I'm a big fan of Josh Alexander. And when he went down with an injury, that definitely took the the wind out of the sail of, of Impact for a moment. Did they just, in your opinion, stumble upon... Macklin and his success, or do you think that that was something that was about to eventually happen? I think that's something that it would have happened eventually. You know, I think the timing, the timing with the injury was, you know, it, no one wanted to see it happen the way it happened. People wanted to see Macklin, but when, you know, whether you love Macklin or hate Macklin, you, you people wanted to see Josh Alexander and Steve Macklin go go head to head. Um, and I, I felt kind of bad for Kushida, but <laughs> he's uh, he's still amazing. You know, you still were going to get a, a good match with him. You know, you kind of knew who was going to win out of all that. Um, but uh, that's that's one of the great things about in, uh, about Impact Wrestling, too, is, boy, they'll surprise you once in a while, won't they? Yeah, they'll definitely throw, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, extra spice and a twist in there every so often, which is fun because in a lot of ways, I mean, Butster, you got to agree, when you look at a card, sometimes things can become pretty predictable. Yeah, that's part of being um, too knowledgeable of a fan. So that's why when something gets thrown in, that's right out right out in the field, it's so much better. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of times you're looking at a card okay, this guy's going over, this girl's going over, this is going to be a run-in. You know, you generally have a rough idea. But then when something right out there happens, you're just blown away. Because you kind of get a little, I don't know if bored is necessarily the right word, but you just, you know too much almost. And so you can kind of predict it, but when something right out happens, you just get a little more excited, you're a little more amped up, you pay a little more attention. It's, it's amazing. I love it when you get a a swerve, as Russo would say. Well, the one thing I will yeah. tell you that made a lot of people turn their heads, and, and not in a, oh my God, I can't believe they, they did this, but when Alex Shelley ended up becoming the Impact World Champion, and yeah. I'll honestly admit, I thought Macklin was going to keep the title till uh, Josh Alexander came back, like you had just said before, and you know, and then I, at some point, you know, they would work in Nick Aldis down the line. You know, but now Alex Shelley, let me ask you this, J-Bone, do you think this is going to be a short-term thing or do you think that they're going to keep it with Shelley for a while? I'd love to see Shelley hang on to it for a while. I think, um, I, I think, uh, the, 
I, I know there was like some people for my for my crew. The opinions were starting to get out there that it's like we all love Josh Alexander here, and he's had a, an amazing run. But sometimes it gets to the point where it's like if it gets too long, then it's all right. What are we doing? You know, it's yeah. <laughs> So when you've got a shorter run, even though it was strong for Macklin, and then because because uh, when I was in Chicago last summer, fall, whatever that was, and Alex Shelley wrestled Josh Alexander, now all of a sudden it's you know it's a year later and he's wrestling whoever's champ again, and it's like oh man, are we gonna are we gonna do this again to Shelley? So it's like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> he's he's a good soldier, I guess. He's a, uh, certainly better than a good hand by all means. But uh, but yeah, completely shocked us. We were like, wow, Shelley won. That's awesome. Good for him, man. 20, 20 years or give or take a little. Um, what a career. It's yeah, it, it's it, I'd like to see him hang on to it for through like the summer and then uh you know move some people around maybe you know because it's like you you can only do so much with callahan and the design and stuff like that then it's like all right now, now let's shake things up i'd love to see callahan get back into title mix and a few others you know just to keep it, it spicy it was interesting because the butster and i were talking about this uh maybe it was last week or the week before how huge I mean, maybe huge isn't the right word, but when Saban and Shelley both became champions on the same night, I, I that felt like that, that was awesome. And I feel like that was in some ways a thank you for how much they've done for the company, for how dedicated they have been to help that promotion and carry it through some really difficult times. Do you think in some ways that was a thank you? I think it was a thank you, but it also, th- th- this is how I looked at it personally. And I brought this up on TNI too. I said, you know, for for uh, <laughs> grizzled old veterans, <laughs> as far as fans uh, like, uh, uh, like myself and, and some others uh, that have been watching wrestling since God knows what, um, there was a moment very similar to that that happened about, oh gosh, close to 20, 15, between 15 and 20 years ago. And it, it is, and you, you might catch this right away. Uh, some of you out there, I'm talking about the great moment in WrestleMania 20 when uh, Guerrero and Benoit uh, embraced at the end of the WrestleMania and it yeah. was emotional and it was, it was great unfortunately from controversy and death and all the other stuff that went along with it that wonderful piece of wrestling history has been muddied no one wants to talk about it no one wants to touch it and i feel like now wrestling fans have something and yeah i don't think it's as iconic but man um it, it feels for me personally it feels just as good to see guys like Saban and Shelley, who have been you know kicking ass in the business for you know 20 plus years to um to get this recognition and, and really, I mean, if you look at what they've been doing, you know, minus Shelly going back to work and then, you know, coming back to impact wrestling for a short period of time, Saban and Shelly have been having career years over the course of the last few years in impact wrestling between the title runs, um, the rivalries. It's just, it's been amazing. If you go back and you see what they've all done, it's like, God, you Nobody can touch them right now. Yeah, they have a a lineage, a legacy that they will definitely be leaving behind once they decide to step away because that's that's a feat that I don't think very many teams or even singles wrestlers for that matter will ever achieve. Let me 
let me throw this out at you. You know, I know that a lot of people look at the talent in Impact and say they're huge. They're great. And I will tell you right now, I think they have an amazing roster. Oh, do, yeah. Do you think, or maybe you can share your opinion on, why do you think that they haven't jumped somewhere else and they've stayed with Impact? Do you believe it's just the way the culture of Impact is, the way they treat people there? Or what is it that says, you know what, I want to stay here, or this is a destination I want to go to? What's your take? They really have, um, I, one thing that I've, from hearing from you know uh, people working in the business to fans feeling and uh, seeing things from a live performance point of view uh, over the last five plus years now you know when the scott the moore and that whole crew took over there is a camaraderie that you don't hear about in any other locker room. and you know a whole fan like like everybody wants to lift this company back up to where it was is that ever gonna happen again maybe not you know there's moments where it feels as big you know just you know, just like I said, I'm biased. So I'll look at something like a moment like Shelly winning and it's like, why the hell is more people not talking about this? But that's just the way it is. There's nothing you can do about it. You know, we speak our piece and, uh, you know, we hope that it gets out there. That's all I can do. Are you trying to say AEW's locker room is not a tight, bonded community that wants to lift each other up? and They want to hit each other at the same sing, time. Sing Kumbaya together? Is that what you're saying? Uh, well, you know, you you hear you hear a few things. Uh, no, and, and I I'm sure there are plenty of people on that roster that have been there since day one and love the company, love what they're doing. I mean, shoot, if you if you listen to the uh, post media scrum from this last uh, Forbidden Door, you listen to guys like uh, Brian Danielson. It's it's wild listening to him because it's 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 so crazy to have a guy like him who has worked the Indies, killed himself on the Indies, damn near, gone through the WWE over however many years, and then jump ship and go to a place like AEW, and he cannot say like you say oh well this guy says this great stuff and that guy says that great stuff when you hear it from brian danielson it sounds authentic i'm just saying it does no, it definitely does yeah so like yeah yeah we could joke oh yeah yeah punk doesn't get along with this guy and that you know the elite doesn't get along with this crew over here or whatever and that's gonna be in any company there's gonna be clicks there's gonna be crews that run tighter together and, and i'm sure that's an impact too there's some guys i'm sure that you know kind of keep to themselves and just don't do as much and they come to work and they do their thing and not everybody goes out for pizza afterwards but you know that so that that's gonna be anywhere but yeah, I, I think I think a lot of people love impact for that is because of everyone who's on that ship wants that ship to stay afloat and, and you know reach that next destination, you know. And if they do go to say greener pastures, using my quote fingers for those listening on audio, um, then you know, and if they leave on good terms. You know, you look at uh, careers like Taya Valkyrie, you know, she came back, kicked ass, you know, and then now she's off doing stuff with good old TK. So, you know, it is what it is, you know, go make that money. I say, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I used to be that fan where I was like pissed off, like, oh man, more people are leaving. It's like, finally you reach the point where it's like, that's the business. Yeah. That's the business. You know, you just got to come to the terms with the fact that 
I mean, it's no different than a hockey player, a baseball player, a football player. I mean, they're going to go where the money's at, and they're going to go where they feel like they can, you know, set themselves right. up. So at this point in time, how can you disparage them? It just does suck when you're a big fan of a certain team or a promotion. You feel like you left us. You know what I mean? Like you turned on us. You feel like a lot of wrestling fans, unfortunately, maybe take that a little too personal. Oh, yes. absolutely. Yeah. Wrestling fans are nuts. <laughs> yeah. Let's not let's not sugarcoat this. No bullshit, boys. But some wrestling fans are certified wackadoodles. You yeah, like AEW. I've, I've seen a, I've seen don't a few talk of my to day. me because I'm a WWE fan. Oh yeah. Or vice versa, or impact, or no so and so left impact to go to WWE. They're dead to me now. They're terrible people. Some people are nuts. Yeah. And that's just a fabric to an extreme. Wrestling fans can be Toxic. Well, I mean, it, it, yeah. w- wouldn't you guys say the same? I mean, Democrat versus Republican. I mean, especially ever since you are Canadian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you don't got a dog in this fight, <laughs> but um, it's 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 it is. It's very territorial. It's very tribal, and I feel like it's more so when it was WCW versus WWE. Like I felt like there was that feeling there, but now I feel like. I guess 20 some odd years later, now that there is another promotion here that it's kind of come back again. And I feel like in some ways they feed into that, if that makes sense, by taking jabs at each other and, and this and that. So I don't know, but let's get back to some more impact stuff. Um, I was going to say it's the same, but different just because of the whole social media aspect there, there wasn't Twitter back then. There wasn't, you know, face botch back then. There wasn't, you know, it was just, you know, it was, uh, it was everybody standing around the water cooler at work and, you know, or, 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 you know, going to school and talking with your friends about what happened over the weekend, pay-per-views and stuff like that. It's, you know, it's different. Speaking of a star in impact wrestling that I have enjoyed for many, many years. And it surprises me that maybe he hasn't gotten offers maybe financially to do something differently or go somewhere else is Moose and Moose uh, re-signed with impact wrestling recently. And he said he did have some interest from WWE as well, but he felt that he had unfinished business to do in impact wrestling. Uh, J bone, let me ask you this. What are you, what's your vision of Moose and where do you think he fits in, in the big landscape of impact wrestling moving forward? Moose has been one of uh, me and my crew's favorite guy to watch him. Um, evolve in the company like when he came up he was pretty much just like he he, you know he did his stuff with ring of honor um and that was fine there was nothing wrong with that then he jumped uh he jumped to impact and it was like whoa all right but he wasn't really doing much it felt like um we're not gonna count the grand championship we're just we're just we're just gonna skip over that uh That just that just was not my cup of tea. I couldn't stand that. Uh, but it, he, uh, you know, he. It, it seemed like when he faced Aries, he had finally made it. But then when he did not become champ, and he turned heel shortly after that, we all went, "Whoa, what's going on here?" And it just it was a total page turning um, time for him in his career. And to watch him change and get nasty and uh, start these rivalries 
And that's when he really started uh, getting better at his promos and such. And he's, uh, he's done amazing. And I, uh, you know, he, he finally became champion, pulled off one of the most, you know, you say crappiest, uh, you know, cash-ins of all time. <laughs> Against uh, Josh Alexander ruined that moment for him. That was that was iconic. That was so good. Um, it, we were surprised he didn't go anywhere else. Um, I'm certainly glad he stayed, but I was surprised, you know, at the same time. So we'll we'll see what happens. You know, maybe he'll get back in the title picture. You know, uh, after summer, maybe we'll see. I want to get your take on the impact AEW relationship and what was your feelings on that? I know that happened, you know, many moons ago, but what were your feelings as being, you know, your, your show is impact wrestling. You're a pro impact guy. Um, I felt like impact wrestling got the short end of the stick and I felt like they weren't appreciated in the relationship. Now that's coming from my take. Um, Are you talking about like back when Kenny was champ and stuff like yes. that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We we loved it because it certainly boosted our numbers because you know um, a lot a lot of people. I mean, it was it was it felt like it was short lived, but there was a lot of people that went, "What? Hey, what's going on over there? Oh, Kenny Omega's doing what? You know, that was when people really started paying attention to. Kenny Omega, you know, is is uh, you know becoming a national figure on AEW, you know, another big primetime wrestling show, and he's one of the biggest ones. And then he's doing stuff with Don Callis with uh, Impact Wrestling, and it's like, whoa, it's <laughs> that 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 felt good for a while. It uh, it got. Yeah, it got uh got gnarly after a while. It just yeah, it did lose steam. Didn't seem like it was. Um, it, it, they they could have done you know they could have done some better stuff. I I just thought when Kenny won the championship, I think there should have been a rematch with Rich Swan, in my opinion. Oh yeah, and that didn't happen, and I felt like that was yeah. Rich is amazing, and I think that would have been a great rematch to drop it back to Rich. Um you know, just as, as the thank you, you know, you went ahead and you put me over. Now I want to do the the job for you. And that didn't happen in the whole Christian cage thing. And it was just one of those things where from an AEW uh, perspective, I felt like they really just, they just took all the momentum away. And I felt like there was also a tease with a Sammy Callahan, uh, Kenny Omega thing that never really happened either. Am I, is my memory correct on that one? I always Sammy and Mox. I was gonna say I was always it hoping was that Mox, Mox that Mox would jump over to Impact, even if it was for like one pay per view, you know, just so that they could put their you know their crew back together on a somewhat bigger stage than sure. than what they're doing now. You know, Mox is just killing people in Revolver now, but um, that's what he loves to do. You know, he's like, he's like, yeah, I can be a big name over here, but I'm going to go over here and tear some shit up. It's like, whatever, <laughs> you know, good for him. Good for him. Just want to let everybody know that the big event coming up is slam reversary. Uh, it is impacts biggest event of the year. It's going to be coming Saturday, July the 15th, 8 PM. You can get it uh, in many different locations. It's going to be coming from the St. Clair college in Windsor, Ontario, Canada, 
for the Impact World Championship, you're going to have Alex Shelley, the recently crowned Impact World Champion of the Motor City Machine Guns, taking on recently acquired Nick Aldis. We're also going to be seeing the one and only Trinity. She's going to be taking on Deanna Peraza for the Knockouts Women's Championship, which I think is going to be a great match. And then, yeah, I think it's going to be good. And then Scott Demore teams up with PCO, taking on (laughs) Bully Ray and Steve Macklin. I'm not really quite sure how all this came about. Um, Canadian's favorite Frankenstein. He always seems to find a way to keep himself relevant. Um, so, so far that's, what's been announced right now. I know that there's still plenty of time between now and then, but let me just kind of ask you your, your opinions on a couple of this stuff. What about Trinity coming into impact wrestling? What was your take on that? Uh, being in Chicago for that, uh, for that set of tapings and to have the buzz in the air and, you know, people lined up outside the building and, you know, Trinity, you know who's going to show up is it this person is it this person and then um night two we're like five feet from the door and here comes cm punk right in front of us with an arms arms length you know from us cutting in front of us with uh some other people and it's like did, did you guys just see CM Punk walk in front of it? That whole weekend had an amazing buzz. Whether you like the guy or not, it was big. And Trinity coming in there, and she tore it up. And she even hugged, for those of you that know Front Row Bill, he's part of our TNI crew, uh, You know, Trinity gave him a big old hug. He's like, oh, I, I don't know where that came from, but he appreciated that. <laughs> uh, we love Trinity. She's She has absolutely been kicking ass she's not just a one move person that came over you know with a really crappy gimmick from wwe no she is phenomenal she had that um almost a what 20 minute long match with uh kylan king was her first one love kylan Um, king amazing match crazy she's gotten much better and her time away, she improved quite a bit then versus now. Now versus then. How are we going to look at it? You talking about kind of Trinity. You Trinity? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the She's thing is, is she, she, she didn't, no one, um, she, she didn't wrestle anywhere or anything. And she's crazy athletic. And like I said, she's she's more than just, a, um, oh, I can't think of the, the name of her move where she hits you with her hips. Um, not the hip attack. It's it's something like that. I can't. Oh, oh, the rear view or whatever it is. Okay. Um, that one. So it's like she's so much more than that. She's been making all these knockouts, tap out, submit to her. It's like that says something. So so people, you know, with, with this whole thing that that's uh, ramping up with uh, Diana Perazzo, that has the potential to be match of the night that weekend. It really does. Let's let's talk about Deanna for a second here because she's also been a staple in Impact Wrestling for, for quite a while now. And she's been that consummate professional. I mean, she's always carried herself really well, carried herself well as a champion whenever she was called upon, always has great matches. What's your take on her right now where she stands in 2023? She's um, She's just been blowing our minds since she walked through the front door, you know? And it happened to be one of those things where during the pandemic, 
know, WWE got rid of a whole slew of wrestlers, and some of them landed on Impact's doorstep. And 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 some of them have different gimmicks. Some of them are not known at all. Like perfect example is Steve Macklin or Perazzo, where they just were never given a chance to shine. Or you got a guy like Heath, where everyone knows Heath, and yeah, he's kind of goofy, but man, you you set him loose, and you know, in um in an atmosphere like Impact Wrestling, he can kick some ass. Yeah, it's like you don't realize. Absolutely. How big of a guy he is until you see him on Impact Television. The guy is huge. You know, when we talk about, you know, all these different stars and we talk about how they were given opportunities and, and in some situations, maybe not so uh, fortunate to have opportunities. One guy who I, I am a big fan of just because I've, gosh, I've talked to him, I've gotten to know him personal, is, is PCO. And I feel like he's also one of those guys who continues to wear his heart on his sleeve for impact wrestling he is always willing to go out there and do what is expected puts on great matches i love the match he had with macklin i thought that was great but there's so many things that he can do and at his age you know not to be calling him old or anything like that but he takes a lot of high risks um he's what, crazy yeah he is a little crazy what's your take on pco in 2023 He's uh, in in some ways. I'm almost surprised they haven't made him uh, world champ by now, um, just because he does have that connection with Scott. You know, it's like you 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 know who who Scott loves in that company, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, Scott's very proud of the people that he can bring up from Canada and bring to, uh, it, you know, an international. Uh, TV show, wrestling TV show. So, um, yeah, so he's when he brings in guys like um, uh, Josh Alexander or, or veterans like PCO and guys like him are just just killing it. Like he does that, what, Swanton and and on the ring, hits, apron, the, oh, hits, hits the guy, yeah, bounces off the apron and looks like he's gonna break his neck every damn time. And and he just just keeps on going, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 uh, I fear for guys like him because man, it's, you know, that, that stuff does, uh, you, you can only do so many of those. Yeah. I feel like in a lot of ways, he's very much in that category of Mick Foley where it it's, he goes out there because he feels like he wants to give the fans their money's worth. Oh, and yeah. I, I feel like what he fails to understand. And I love PCO to death is he, he already is giving them that he's already giving them great matches without having to every single time put his his body on the line but in that same conversation mick has often said if i don't walk away you know feeling that i gave them everything i feel like i gypped people out of their money and it's just insane to think that some people think like that yeah as fans that's great for us but as a performer a lot of mileage a lot of wear and tear on those bodies. Oh. Wait, I, I just looked it up. PCL is 55. Jeez. So you got to think he's been wrestling for 30 years at this point. Yeah, 35 years, something handy to that anyhow. That's a lot. He took a little bit yeah. of time off, but he's been wrestling for quite a while. I mean, hell, when I seen him at the indie show in Napanee, this was like a little show, I don't know, five or 600 people, nothing big. He's going off the top rope onto the floor. It's like a crash mat. 
you know those two inch thick crash mats you had in gym class? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Which, yeah, well, the Why stuff would he does... you do that? Just jump on the floor. Same fucking difference. Does, where he's like short circuiting lately, he does yes. that gimmick, yeah. and he just like dives. He just he just you know yes. tope suicidas through the rope <laughs> at no one, yeah. at no one, and just hits the floor. It's like, oh yeah. God. God, art. God love him. It's great to watch, but buddy, <laughs> what are you hey, doing? Let's it down a little bit. Um. <laughs> I got to, I had the privilege to get to know Abyss uh, personally. Uh, I don't know if I ever shared the story with you, Butster. So no. one of my dearest friends, his name is Ben Harris, and he plays in a metal band called Siege Lord. And they have two or three albums. They got another album that's about to be coming out again. Well, anyway, Chris Harris is his brother, Wildcat. And obviously he was half uh, the tag team champions with um, James Storm. James Storm. I believe they won the title. Did they not win the titles? Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, so well, he is from Kentucky, uh, right across the river from Cincinnati. So he does a lot of shows for the NWF, which is a, a local promotion here. Gosh, so Ben tells me, he says, you want to go to the wrestling matches? He says, we're going to see we're going to see Wildcat tonight. And I said, all right, that's cool. And, um, you know, he's doing really well right now, and I'm very happy for him. Um life can go down different roads and you can stay down certain roads or you can choose to make changes in your life. And it appears he's made those changes, but abyss was on the card and they got me front row. Never been front row before to anything in my life, not even my own graduation. Um, I, I did get front row seats for my wedding, but that's because I paid for it. But I was, I was one of them sitting in the back, but she was kind of stuck with them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> So the dun 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 music comes out, and then he's got the chain, and he does the thing with his arms. And yes, I tell you what, I I got a little scared. And my buddy Ben has known uh, Chris Parks for forever, and he gives a little nod to him, you know, as he's going out. And then uh, he ends up talking to us, and then we end up all going out to dinner later that night. Nice. And that guy could not have been a nicer human being. I met his wife. She is as nice as can be as well. Um, and I'm so happy that he's doing well in WWE. But what I will say is Abyss is in that same category of the PCOs, of the McFoley's, of you know the people who go out there each and every night and not necessarily for glory, but for the love of it. And they want to give the fans in attendance something to remember. The reason why I'm, I'm holding on to this, so everyone leaves the arena. And my buddy Ben goes backstage to go see Wildcat and, and Chris Parks and whatnot. And he said, man, I tell you what, it catches up to you. It catches up to your body as he's trying, you know, getting his street clothes on and whatnot. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to see that. It's hard to see that. It's hard to see somebody have difficulty, you know, getting around. And we've often, we've seen the, um, beyond the mat with the walk that Terry Funk would do. But at some point in time, they all go down that road and it's sad, but they did it for all of us. Essentially. Um, what's your memories or what would you say would be a, a favorite memory of abyss in your uh, time with covering TNA slash impact? Like there, there was one time I got to meet him and uh, he, he came to, Oh gosh, what was it? Bruce city wrestling, which is in Milwaukee. And, um, he came at the time that 
he had this huge scar on his arm. It was like a six-inch scar on his arm. It was also right after the week that he got the Hall of Fame ring from Hulk Hogan. So that crowd, that that, uh, that, that local indie crowd that I was a part of that night, and he faced some, I don't know who, I don't remember who he faced. I had a few too many beers that night, but I got a picture taken with him. So that was cool. And, and, and I think, I, I don't know if I scared him, but the look on Abyss's face when I, you know, kind of hobbled into the ring, like, hey, what's up? And, and he, he was like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, Abyss is terrifying. And to have Abyss give you that look like, the hell it's like oh dude sorry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's take this i'll get out of there but uh-huh. um but yeah so the, okay so my point of that is it was so wild to see sit back and watch that crowd half of that crowd wanted to see the scar on his arm yeah half of that crowd wanted to see the ring wow yeah so that was kind of, you know, just to put a timeline on that, that was kind of fun. Buster, you have any favorite moments when it comes to watching the Monster Abyss? Well, he had some great hardcore matches. Yes. And when he was with Impact or Total Nonstop Action or whatever the hell it was at that point. Like him and Sabu. Uh, I think he had one with Raven. I'm fairly sure him and Jeff Hardy. Great one with he and... Um... Um, AJ Styles. Holy I was just going to say Styles. Yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to think what the Chamber <coughs> of Horrors match was. That, no, the Clockwork Orange match he had. Yep. I think he actually had a couple of those. Just He just laid it all in. Like, you know, because you look, I don't know if it's on his right or his left arm. Upper arm, he's got the tattoo that's all covered in scars and stuff. There's like the big tribal tattoo on his arm. You can see the scars right through that. And, oh, that's right. Yes. And I don't know what match it was, but I remember seeing the highlight of it of those thumbtacks and the thumbtacks stuck in his head and in his mask. Like that's just something that sticks in your in your mind. Stuff that I mean, like you oh, said, yeah. he was a guy that just laid it all out there. Not the best technical wrestler, but you wanted to watch him wrestle though. Yes. Because you knew there was gonna be some big bumps. But he was no slouch, though. It's not like he was just there to hit people with chairs. He wasn't Abby. Like, you know, he could actually really wrestle, right? Which was fantastic, especially for a man built like him. He's a big dude. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, a, a guy like Abyss having the presence of someone similar to, uh, say, like, obviously not as big as, but you'll get the point, like Undertaker. You know, Undertaker comes out, doesn't he, he doesn't need to say one damn word. Abyss comes out. He doesn't need to say one damn word. It's just a presence. He does the, you know, he does the thing. He's got the chains. He gives you that look, the snarl, you know, makes you flinch. And, you know, the whole, you know, five rows back flinches, you know, it's, <laughs> he doesn't have to do much, you know, it's his charisma and his uh, persona speaks for itself. Were either one of you guys surprised that when he went to WWE and he did some of the Chris Park stuff with AJ Styles, which was kind of cool, but never making a Royal Rumble appearance as Abyss like that would just just one time just come out as Abyss and and just give some of the the audience a because I never feel like he gave that final farewell type of deal. I mean, maybe I'm wrong with this uh, before he became an agent with WWE. How did everything uh, from your perspective, from an impact, how did that end up 
ending? Um, I think we were all surprised because shortly before that he was well, he was working like backstage uh more and more. And um so so when it when we found out that he was gonna take a backstage role in WWE, I don't think we were really surprised. It was um it was kind of a bummer. It's like, oh man, you know, Abyss is leaving. It's like, you know, we were pretty sure we weren't going to get Abyss anymore. If anything, we'll, you know, we'll get an appearance or something. But we knew his time was basically done. But yeah, it was like, like I said before, with uh, you know, Ty and Volcreate, you know, going off to you know bigger and better places. You you hope, you yeah. hope that it's a bigger and better experience. It wasn't always like her time in NXT sucked. Yeah, you know, she worked she there for six months. Yeah, she she worked there for six months and got canned. Um, and now she's moving on to uh, uh, AEW, and it seems like it's it's already been better. You know, it's it's everyone is gonna have a different opinion on it, but um, but yeah, I'm I'm super happy for uh, Abyss, Chris Parks, whatever you want to call him in uh, WWE doing his stuff if he's still doing it. Um, it shows his talent. You know, I don't know who he's all been working with. It's one of those things that he's he's pretty private. You know, you don't hear anything. You don't hear anything. Well, not I mean, just nothing at all. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I yeah, you, he flies under the radar big time. And you can tell he's definitely not somebody who wants the attention either. Even when we were having dinner together, very quiet, very private. Oh yeah. Who picked up the bill for your dinner, Mike? Why why you gotta be that way? <laughs> why do you gotta be like that? See, here's I'm the deal. Everyone, everyone thinks that I'm some giant, colossal mooch. You know what I mean? And it it maybe not necessarily, I wouldn't say quite mooch level what I am. I did pay for my own stuff. At least that's what I offered to do. And I said, no, I can do it. And then someone else said, no, I'll get it. And I said, okay. I didn't go back for the second rebuttal. That Are you saying I should have? Right. Well, yeah, yeah. Mike. I just hey, if someone says, you know what, I say, you know what, are you sure? And if they say yes the second time, hey, I'm good, I'm all right, right? Oh, my goodness. Um, let's kind of segue. You're not gonna sit there, but okay, yeah, you're sitting across from Chris Parks. I'll arm wrestle you for the bill. You're not gonna do that. No, you just take, <laughs> out, your, you just take out your visa and put it on the table. That's all. Listen, when a guy the size of Chris Park and his wife said, no, trust me, we want to do this. I said, hey, you know what? If it means a lot to you and I don't want to be the person to upset a monster, feel free. Right. But I'll take some more chicken uh, chicken tenders before we do it. <laughs> yeah. are, are, are we getting dessert? You know, it's kind of- yeah. <laughs> oh, my. I think I saw a terrible I just, I just want the Sunday. That's all I want. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, I want to talk about Forbidden Door and I want to talk about what some of your thoughts were as far as the the event itself went. But sir, I know you checked it out. I also checked it out. Going into Forbidden Door, I was a little nervous because in some ways I feel like AEW is overextending themselves. You don't ever want to water down your product. And I feel like they're putting a lot of things out there, especially with the new show, Collision. And I just didn't know what was going to happen, especially as far as who was going to win, who was going to lose, because you got two promotions here. You don't want to have one promotion winning all the matches versus the other one. But 
I will say that I was very pleasantly surprised and almost shocked at some of the way things went. Um, let's go ahead and let's let's talk about this first. Filthy Tom Lawler was supposed to take on Adam Cole, and Adam Cole ended up getting a, a stomach bug or a 24-hour bug, whatever you want to call it. He went on uh, Twitter, this is Tom Lawler, and he just said, I feel gutted. Uh, he ended up taking on Serpentico in a pre-pay-per-view match, which is nowhere near taking on Adam Cole on, on pay-per-view. Um, but there was Jeff Cobb, Kyle Fletcher, uh, TJP, Shingo Takagi, uh, Bushi, and Takahashi were all in this big match, um, kind of starting off everything. You guys have to admit that New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I was speaking to somebody about this actually a little earlier today, they got some studs in that promotion. And the way they go, I don't think they know how to go anything else than 110 miles an hour. Would you guys agree? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Their matches, they're laying it in. There's no no powder puff punches there. Yeah. Yeah, They call it a strong style. 100% 100% strong style. It looks like a fisticuff sometimes. Yeah, it was it was definitely uh, definitely very stiff at times, but then again, they say over in Japan that's a little bit more. They, they work a little bit sn- more snug. Jeff Cobb is somebody who I have always admired, even going back to the time when he did the moniker of... Um, oh my gosh, he did the moniker of the character... Somebody help me here. Lucha Underground. Oh, Cueto. Um, was it? Yeah, it's uh, Dario Cueto's brother, um, Matanza. Matanza, that's right. Yeah. I thought he was fantastic back then. What's your take on somebody like a Jeff Cobb? Oh, I, I, I'm still, I, I still get goosebumps when I think about Lucha Underground stuff. It, it is absolutely bar none the best thing I loved that, it. that came out in that past decade yeah all four seasons or whatever it was that came out it's a shame that it went down um the way it did that it got ugly behind the scenes it's like it's a hollywood thing you know we're not gonna be privy to all the you know somebody wanted this or somebody wanted that to happen but man the show was unbelievable so was that good like it was I've seen a couple of I haven't watched much of it to be honest with you. So like you're saying it's worth sitting down, doing a little oh. binge watching. Oh it's absolutely. Lucha Underground. Yeah. Lucha Underground, yes. I would a hundred percent say take a look at it. You know, joining us right now, she just got done with her show. And let's Hi. go ahead and let's welcome in Amanda Savage. How you doing? Hi. You're Hi very much in my mom lair. I like to call it Wrestle Kingdom. But there's just like cleaning products. This is not camera ready, but it's happening. How are you? I'm excited to join. <laughs> Glad to have you here once again. We got Jay Bone here with us um, from his podcast, which covers Impact Wrestling. The Butster, who covers all things Canadian. Uh, you have myself, who's holding down the fort here uh, in Cincinnati. And now we have Amanda Savage joining us. Um, we're actually just kind of in the midst of a conversation about Lucha Underground, which we loved um, the work, especially with Jeff Cobb, what he did there. Um, but before we kind of have you jump into there, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, kind of what's going on with you. Yeah, I just I'm a news writer for Wrestle Talk, so pretty much every live show. 
um, I'm sitting and typing quickly and trying to make sure I'm nice. getting um, all the news stories captured. Um, this has been an exceedingly long week, the way they're stacking these pay-per-views. So, um, yeah, I feel like the debut of Collision was the last time I remember what day it was. Like, that was a Saturday. <laughs> but since then, I don't know what's happening. Um, <laughs> yeah, I could, uh, 4th of July, I asked for the day off so that I could be the American Nightmare. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll hang in there till next week. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I honestly haven't I haven't caught anything other than the real the mainstream sort of like AEW and WWE things for a good two weeks. So I'm excited to listen to your informative conversation about Lucha Underground that I'll have nothing to add to. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? You and me both. I was gonna say Sometimes I have nothing uh, important to add to the conversation, but it still goes. So yeah, that's fun. It's it's fun to hear, and like what other people are excited about is always exciting for me. So <laughs> well, it's it started with we were talking about New Japan. Well, the basically Forbidden Door and Jeff Cobb was part of the was Zero Hour the the first yes. uh, the pre show. Yep, and that's and then that's how it went backwards to where he where we kind of knew him from first was the monster uh, Matanza Cueto in a Lucha Underground. That's that's where we knew him. So, yeah, I, I don't want to go down too, too – I think we can save that for another time if you want as far as a deep dive into Lucha Underground. But um, but I, I'm I'm more interested. So Amanda, you work for Wrestle Talk. Uh huh. Yeah. How is it? How is it? Now, are you in the UK? Or are you in the US? Where are you? No, I'm in America. So I live uh, near Seattle. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So I think that's kind of why it works out is that I'm in the the, the good time zone. So I'm sort of awake while they're all sleeping. How's it? Um, how's it like uh, working for all those crazy bastards? <laughs> you know, what's fun is that I always, everyone always wants to have like a story about a presenter, but honestly, we're sort of like, kind of like different sides of the company. So I spend a lot more time with the other website guys, um, and everyone's been really nice. I mean, I genuinely enjoy it. I think it's only um, some people know, like, oh, I. I don't want to call him a shoot name. What's um, SP3 from True Heel Heat is also the other American nightmare on the Russell Talk writing team. So oh, okay. It's, it's he and I are the ones that are uh, hold down the fort in this end of the uh, world, I suppose. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. So he's on the, he's like Eastern time zone and I'm Pacific. So usually there's, if it's after hours for those guys. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, I, 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 enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy hearing their uh, their points of view on uh, uh, pretty much anything. It's uh, pretty entertaining. So, yeah. Cool. <laughs> it's always fun. Uh, I want to ask you this, Amanda. By any chance, because I, I, I had this lined up and ready, you don't have any relation to uh, a Liam Savage, oh. do you? No. No? Okay, no. that's a good thing. All right, Thank perfect. Who is that? We actually know somebody. Cause the, the last name Savage is a very unique name. I mean that's a that's a profound name, um, and it's it's a cool name. And we actually found someone who had the same last name, um, but obviously you know things didn't quite work out so well. So it seems like you're our new favorite savage. Yes. Um, 
So speaking of Forbidden Door, getting back here, Athena versus Billy Starks, which was the uh, first match in the Women's Owen Cup Invitational Tournament. I don't know if you're going to find, I mean, we just talked about Deanna Parazza and how great she is, and we talked about how many women are, are really, really stepping up right now. I mean, I love Kylan King. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about Vert Vixen. I have added Tony so many times about adding those two. And I think both of them are going to have a great career. But Athena, she is violence personified, but she's technical and she's smooth. Um, This kind of goes to anybody who wants to jump in. What's your take on Athena? Because I feel like she has done the former Ember Moon is doing a great job uh, in not only in Ring of Honor, but also in AEW. I didn't watch the pre-show, so I apologize for that. But um, for what I've seen her do, uh, the few matches I've seen her do in uh, either Ring of Honor or uh, AEW, she's killing it. She really is. Yeah. WWE kind of dropped the ball with her, I think. Oh, just Uh, a little. Just They they should have figured out something in in that situation because she's fantastic. The the list right. is a mile long with people that we can that she, throw that phrase in there. Yeah. Fair, but they yeah. definitely, yeah, they, they should have bet on that one. They should have done something better with her because she's she's special talent. She is. She, you, she, you can legit put her in and build your women's division around her. I agree. We're guaranteed. Um, I'm going to kind of go through and, and pick just a couple of these matches that really stood out to me and wrestlers who I think are really, you know, on the upward trend. And I feel like the sky's the limit. Let's talk about Willow Nightingale for a second here. I mean, she's a team player and I know I, I'm kind of repeating myself here with superlatives. She's a team player. She does what she's asked to do. She goes out there and I almost feel like she has that. I think the Butster and I were talking about this. She kind of has that Bailey feel when Bailey was like hug me type of thing, always happy to be seen and happy to see the fans. But I don't think we're ever going to get a heel turn, uh, at least in my opinion, with Willow. But she is the uh, New Japan Open Women's Champion, and I think she's doing a great job. Um, any takes on as far as any matches you guys have seen or the work of Willow Nightingale? I, uh, I I saw her first in actually uh, Wow Women of Wrestling, and that was um, it was like their comeback season that they had. Uh, it, it had some originals on there. It also had Tessa Blanchard, and uh, there, so there was a whole slew of people, and, and a, a fair number of them were from the Impact Wrestling roster or ended up on the Impact Wrestling roster. And um, Willow was she, she was called um, she was called Eye Candy on the show, which is kind of oh, geez, really? <laughs> you say I you associate that with like another you know decade of like you know either the divas or prior to that, yep. but um, but she was uh, she was her same bubbly self, you know, and then she got injured, and I didn't see her for like the longest time, um. But yeah, I, I love what she's doing. And I feel like the crowd, like every time you see her now, the crowd's starting to catch on. Her her charisma is infectious. It is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's definitely somebody that I think at some point in time they're gonna want to pick her up if you know the, the dollar amount isn't suitable for her. 
I think she definitely is getting a following, and I think she's definitely picking up momentum. She has great matches. I mean, she's had matches with Ruby. She's had matches with Tony. Um, she's had matches, I'm trying to think here else, uh, Anna Jay. And she just really shines, and I think she's a star to kind of keep our eyes on. But uh, I'm not going to go over all of these matches because there's so many. Uh, but I'm just going to throw out a couple things here. Uh, the guy who I never really thought I would like a whole hell of a lot in the beginning because I thought it was like eh, kind of gimmicky here. Um, Orange Cassidy. I knew you were going to say Orange Cassidy. <laughs> Orange Cassidy. I felt the same way about him. Totally. Go ahead. Uh, Amanda, are you familiar with the Orange Cassidy? I'm familiar with AW Orange Cassidy. I yeah. have very little like depth of indie orange cassidy which i understand is sort of similar but different yeah he he was in chikara yep Mm -hmm. and uh if you haven't seen it yet and in people who are like man i really am curious about this orange cassidy guy you can go on youtube and there's a documentary on him and he's talking about hey this is what i need to do to be a comedic wrestler and I believe Colt Cabana's in it as well. And they just kind of talk about what Shakar was a very over the top type. I loved what they did, but it was, it was at sometimes bordering silliness. Um, but yet there were still some people who came out of that, who I thought were really, really good. But uh, orange Cassidy obviously had a great four way match uh, at the pay-per-view as well. And he had Zack Sabre jr. In there as well, who I have nothing but love for Zack Sabre jr. I think at some point in time, he will end up jumping over to the United States. And if WWE does not pick him up, I think that is going to be a big, big loss uh, for them. But he ends up retaining in a great match. And I really feel like you're starting to get a little bit of a fire and a spark from Orange Cassidy. And he does the gimmicky stuff and the silliness. But I think he definitely has that fire side that uh, we haven't seen in a while. Um. We just talked about New Japan being an indie promotion. Good old MJF and Hiroshi Tanahashi uh, for the Impact or the Impact, the uh, AEW World Heavyweight Championship. I don't think there was any doubt that the title wasn't going to change hands. Um, Hiroshi Tanahashi, I was talking to someone earlier, moves a lot slower now. Um, I felt like the match looked like it was from 1985. I really, really did. I was looking for John Stossel to be somewhere near the ring. But. Um, MJF himself is just very interesting from his days in MLW, which I mean, he was really, really good there. Um, Butster, are you still a big MJF guy? Absolutely. He's the perfect scumbag heel. He is. But you, you want to hate him because he's such a miserable, obnoxious jackass. Yes. But you love him because he's a miserable, obnoxious jackass. He's he's a throwback heel. But yeah, and saying he's saying stuff you should not say, doing stuff you should not do. How can you not root for him? You might root for him to lose, but you're still rooting for him. That's good enough. Oh, Jay yeah. let me ask you this. MJF, I mean, is this is is this really when he says the moniker I'm a generational talent. Is there some truth to that? Yeah, I, I think so. It's um, the the guy has no business being as good as he is, right. you know. Um, and I and I would love to see him wrestle more, but um, he is something special. 
you know, I, uh, I, yeah, I, I drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm very much, I'm very much a type of person who wants to know what he has to say. Uh, Amanda, obviously, you know, with, with somebody like MJF and he always kind of talks about, you know, maybe he might jump ship. Maybe he won't. What do you think? I mean, from what you've seen of MJF, what's your take on him as, as far as an in-ring performer? I just think the sky is the limit. Like he really, um, is probably someone that will have an exceptional career if they wanted to stay in AEW, but also making that leap and making that transition. Um, if he's already sort of able to capture this much, in my opinion, mainstream attention at an AEW level, I feel like he would have no reason not to be a John Cena rock, someone everyone knows their name, if he made that leap to WWE. Um, not that that couldn't happen staying in AEW, because I just think this is sort of a time that I wouldn't be shocked at all in the next few years to see professional wrestling become just so much more standard within a mainstream conversation, because it's sort of, it's entertainment that's a little bit of, um, not the low buy-in, but the way that people can find the Super Bowl and ping as a cultural event. I think professional wrestling, you can kind of jump in and out in the same way for those kind of bigger moments. So someone like an MJF, oh, I think that the way that he's able to synthesize some of that vintage feel for folks who kind of grew up with that, who remember um, kind of, I think it was, it's a good blend of the inappropriateness of like Chris Jericho and The Rock, but then sort of mixed in with that more um, almost vicious undertone of like a further back, like a... Um, you know, like a Roddy Piper for sure, but you're even talking like a, almost like a Jesse Ventura, like almost a little bit of that where you're you're not supposed to agree with this person. Like you're not really supposed to be vibing with what they're saying, but you secretly yep. do. And yep. so I think there's also the way that he's able to subvert the criticisms of him. And like, I could literally give a dissertation on I could probably give a talk, like a TED talk on MJF, just because I think there's like a variety of levels there. <laughs> Sorry, that was, was the wrong first question. But um, so I do think, though, that the way that um, I think it is a generational skill to be able to subvert your critiques or your criticisms and put them back in the face of someone who's using them in a nasty or hateful way but also be drawing attention to them like underneath it all is the catchphrase, right? I'm better than you and you know it. So it doesn't even matter. I just think there's like so much complexity there that you can't teach. You can't write that. Like that's not yeah. going to be able to be something you can copy and paste at the performance center onto somebody who, you know, I love Von Wagner, right? That's my new thing. I don't know if you guys care about NXT at all, but last week there was this emotional moment with Von Wagner but it was something that was, wow, you can't write that for someone. That's his true story. Um, but you wouldn't, I don't think, be able to train someone to have the charisma or the personality of an MJF. You just can't. I don't, in my opinion, I don't think you can teach that. That's something that is very much like him. Um, so, yeah, I think, what was the question? See, what a look. No, at just, show, just like, what yeah. your thoughts are. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, you, you're giving us a dissertation. Like, this, <laughs> this is it. 
you're my first, you three. So hopefully <laughs> I'm, myself. I'm not shaming my family house just yet. Um, yeah, marking out for MJF. That's a good way to start. Um, yeah, guys, the limit. It's uh, it's there. That was the first thing. <laughs> I I look at it this way, and it, while you were you talking about them, there's mm-hmm. one other thing I I wanted to quick bring up. Um, you look at what Tony's doing, and you look at who Tony has brought into the company, and he's brought in some pretty big names. Yes. And there's some people that are like, oh, he's doing just like the same thing that he did, you know, that uh, uh, that they did with WCW, and it's going to be uh, down the toilet in the next two years or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, there's some stuff you can say that, you know, it's all subjective. It's like you can like this, you can enjoy that. You can, okay, maybe they shouldn't have done that. But you look at what Tony's doing with MJF. I, I don't know if you could say I'm, – I'm trying to – there's a lady present, so I'm going to say this, but it's not meant to offend. The set of balls on Tony to take a young talent like MJF and have the faith in him mm-hmm. and throw your top title on a guy like MJF mm-hmm. says a lot. So if anyone says that, oh, Tony doesn't build – Homegrown talent, Darby Allen, MJF, Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, Wardlow. I keep going. You know, it's like everyone shines in that company one way or another, whether it's the ladies or the guys, the veterans, the young. I, I say young bucks, but not, you know what I mean? Not the young bucks, but, but young um, talent. You're right. Yeah. It's, it's uh it, it it takes something like I I was shocked when when uh when they pulled the trigger and made him champ, but I also wasn't part of me wasn't surprised. My favorite stuff that MJF did is the stuff that he did with Punk before he went away for a while. Yes. That's just man. Just classic. I just got the the two pack of the uh, blood and guts action figures. They're s- simply amazing. The throws going to bring up the dog collar match they had was oh excellent. man, so it's beautiful. It's art. It is. It is art. You're absolutely right. Um, once again, let me go through here and just pick out just a couple other quick things. Uh, Sonata versus Jungle Boy. We just talked about that. Jack Perry is definitely going to be dropping the Jungle Boy gimmick. He's going to be just Jack Perry now, which I think is great. He is turning heel, which... He's growing up. (laughs) He still looks like he wears pull-ups. I'm sorry. Maybe it's because I'm a big guy. He just looks so tiny. But let me ask you guys this question, and this kind of goes to everybody, and, and anybody can jump at any point. Do you all feel that... A good guy is okay, but if you can become a bad guy, you're even liked more, or you have an opportunity to get more of a reaction from the audience. It's very difficult to be a baby face in some ways, but I feel like in other ways, being a heel, you're able to express a lot more and get away with a lot more, and I think Jungle Boy is definitely going to elevate himself more as a heel than he was a baby face. Does that make sense? If you're a good heel, or I guess it'd be a bad heel, uh, however you want to look at it, it's perfect. 
because you want you're gonna cheat, take your shortcuts. You know, you want the fans to despise you. It's perfect. It's 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 a I won't say easier. No, that's not the right word, but a more efficient way to grow your character. That when that's heal. You, much you better. Have, said, yes, you maybe you have to invest a little less because you're just be an asshole. They do no dastardly things, we'll say like that. Dastardly. Fancy word for me tonight. It is. It's, it very is very fancy for me. But, you know, <laughs> when out, you do right? something like that, it's a little bit easier always. Always. Ma Amanda, what's your take on as far as when a character is a baby face for such a long time? Do you feel like at some point in time we're going to have to change it up a little bit? And you know, have someone go heal, or do you think sometimes that can go awry really fast if it's not meant to be? It's really hard because a lot of times I think the folks that would maybe benefit the most from turning heel are folks that have a bigger following amongst like a younger audience. So I think if you're looking at a Jungle Boy, this is probably the time to pull the trigger on this before you get into the situation where I do think where which it's, it's sort of interesting like if they plotted that as a swerve like was there any plan to have a jungle hook summer like was that a real thing or was that just to get the heat for this turn um but i think if you are to have fans get attached to particularly the combination of jungle boy and hook i you lose the opportunity in my opinion to push jungle boy forward as a character because then he's then they're like these two handsome guys in this team, right? And I could see that just getting perpetuated forever versus this is actually maybe pushing towards something of a singles run. Um, this is where I end up having no opinion and not, not a great opinion because there's some things that, there's certain characters I think that still feel kind of bland to me. So I've been doing this job for, um, not quite two years, like a year and a half, where every episode I'm watching. Um, before that, it was a lot more casual. So if you're talking about just popping back in, um, Jungle Boy has been picked on a lot by Christian Cage. I know his backstory, but what about any of that? Like where, where does that dastardly element come in? Because right now he is a character that is a, a sympathetic guy who's quite handsome with this compelling backstory that we felt for and that we felt like was sort of victimized and not necessarily didn't get a, a, a victorious moment from it, but sort of didn't get um, like what happened with that. Right. Like they, like he, he didn't. I agree. Triumph. Like there wasn't that um, redemption moment. It just feels like he got picked on quite a bit. Yeah. So then now as a character, this is a good time. Maybe he's just sick of the shit, right? He's going to make this right. change. Like this makes sense as a progression for his character. But in the absence of this moment, I think you would lose that opportunity. And other than, you know, rather than letting that piece get lost, I think that AEW does a good, in my opinion, um, a pretty good job of like tying those loose ends, whether or not you get that loop closed and the amount of time you want it closed in is sort of something totally separate. Um, versus Keith Lee. Continue. <laughs> right. Right. There's a lot that like, I don't think there's not been fixed up quite yet, but um, 
if this really pushes Jungle Boy forward and there is this Jack Perry, who's this completely distinct iteration, um, and that you can see how that what he's been through and breaking him down and that conversation. I think the thing with um, that in-ring promo with MJF really saying, like, you could be great, but you essentially don't have the balls to do it. Like, you're too committed to being a good guy. Um being able to see some of those seeds that have been planted along the way kind of come to fruition would be nice. I don't know what singles title he chases though. Isn't that the kind of the thing he's saying? So then it's like, it's not that the FTW title isn't real. I will not say it isn't real because it is very much has a lineage and it is a thing, but it's not a sanction. Like, is that what you're talking about? Is you're just, I hope not. Right. That doesn't feel like it has the weight no. behind it, I guess. I remember the FTW title in ECW way back when. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about on my mom's green screen UFH television where you have the two different dials at midnight. And, yeah. So, no, I agree with you 100% on that. But now let's kind of throw this to this this side. Do you feel like doing this could now enhance Hook? Uh, let's start with J-Bone on this one. Do you feel like this could finally be a feud that could really start to accent and show us more uh, depth or breadth of who Hook is? Yeah, it's it's definitely because Hook has done some fun stuff. He comes out, he gets the pop. He, you know, no Fs given. You know, he, he destroys whoever's in the ring um, to the best of his ability, some better than others. But he still usually comes out on top. I mean, he's a chip off the old block. And you hear Taz talk about him. And as, as soon as <laughs> so I was waiting for Taz to like jump up and you know go chase after uh Jungle Boy. He saw that he, really well. He oh, yeah. he did not get up, he didn't even stand up, but you could tell in Taz's voice, he's like and I, I, I know my son and you, sir, you messed up bad. You know, you said that in so many words. Um, so, yeah, it's it's interesting. Number one, seeing uh, Jack Perry, number one, he's going to cut all that hair off. You know, I think that'd be the first thing he's got to do. Do you, do you OK? <laughs> do you so you think he's going to cut the hair off? Yeah, I don't think he's going to go extreme as this. But um, I think he he absolutely will like like he'll he'll do a lot. He'll like he he'll just sit in the middle of the ring and he'll just take the tremors and just look around and be like, "What's up?" And he'll just start hacking it all off. So that's number one. Really. Number two. Oh, I think he, that'd be great. Really they, yeah, cool. be, yeah. Be like, wow. like, oh, he's he's all like that's why I was like, oh, he's all grown up now. <laughs> um, but he he has gone through x amount of things within the last year he lost his tag team partner he pretty much failed in that whole um uh rivalry with christian like i think he won in the end but did he really win because he he became this other person after that he started dressing in all black he wasn't, uh, you know, like skipping. Not not that he skipped down to the ring in the first place or swung on a vine or anything, <laughs> but he was different a after that. Mm -hmm. After that, um, 
that rivalry. And now, you know, Hook is, uh, you know, him and Hook really had the potential to become a, a fun, new, up-and-coming tag team. Yeah. But the fact that he turned on Hook, like, screw this, I couldn't get the title from MJF in the four-way. I still won a title. He went after Sonata. I took him balls to do that. Sure. You know? Whether you know about Sonata or not, you know, I I was, you know, watching the pay-per-view jokingly saying, that's Sonata, former X Division champion. Mm-hmm. You know, like, <laughs> but no, good for him, man. He's world champ now in New Japan. You know, it's like, yeah, it, it can't be Okada forever. Sorry. It just can't be. <laughs> it's, you can really do that so many times. Um, Wait till next week. Okada will get it back. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, good, good for uh good for you know whoever decided to pull the trigger on this uh i can't wait to see you know that means um no more uh no more 80s pop hit you know the the whatever that uh the jungle song oh my I, god I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for 80s all, all i've been listening to lately was wham because i saw the uh trailer <laughs> for the new documentary coming out so i was all excited about uh seeing you know some George Michael and Andrew, whatever his neck is, um, documentary on them. Uh, sorry, got, we got invaded by my cat. Say hi, Rocky. Who, oh, yeah. Who, who outside? Okay, so who else remembers uh, Wham? I, I, I'm, I like, I like the Wham. I'm but older than I look. I remember Wham. <laughs> yeah, not enough it, twang for me. Oh my god! Your your country needs a fiddle or something. Banjo. <laughs> then I'll listen. Uh, Tarzan Boy is the name of the song that uh, Jungle Boy comes out to. But yeah. I swear, if you go and you look on YouTube, the performer that sings that, and I watched like eleven performances allegedly on stage, it doesn't match up to his mouth. And I'm literally sitting here on YouTube going. No one's noticed this in the comment section. He's Millie Vanillying it before there was Millie Vanilli. And I'm like, what? Wow. Anyway, that's a tell. Oh, they, uh, they all did that, you know. This is true. Yeah. Um, moving on really quickly before we jump over to the WWE world. Uh, Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay, not much more that you can say other than, oh, my God, that was incredible. And I hope Kenny is not hurt severely. Uh, that match went a little over 40 minutes. Yeah. And it, it had Will Ospreay winning back the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship, which uh, Kenny had won originally from Will Ospreay. Was that at Wrestle Kingdom? Wrestle Kingdom, yeah. And Wrestle Kingdom is a huge event, and I am a big fan of it. Unfortunately, the time zone thing doesn't really work out for me here on the East Coast. But um, let me throw this over to the Butster. You got Will Ospreay. You got Kenny Omega. I know you saw the match. How could you compare this in the in the pantheon of great matches that you've watched? Flair Steamboat. I would put Ooh. it honestly there. And that's I don't I don't say that lately. Flair Steamboat is that's legendary iconic. Uh Ospreay and Kenny was that good. I didn't see their first match. Oh, you Not need to. Too. They had two matches before. Correct. You I also need to see I, Kenny versus Okada. I've seen highlights, but I've never seen the full matches. So 
I, I went into it thinking, hey, this is gonna be this is gonna be a good match. Yeah, uh, good would be a massive understatement. How can they even break his neck? I'm not sure. I know, but that's a different conversation. There, that was a fantastic match. Uh, dude, yeah, that that is honestly where I would put it. Legitimately, I would put it with Flair and Steamboat. One hundred percent. I think it was that damn good. We, we all knew that uh, Kenny was going to lose over that. Osprey was taking the belt back. Right, so most people knew that anyhow. I would think. Good timing for that. Where yeah. do you where do you put this in the on your list of matches that you're you're saying, man, this was an all time great. Um, it it definitely was one on the card uh, to to quote uh, Brian Danielson. Like, I didn't want to follow that, you know. Wow. <laughs> he said that during the media scrum, and it's like, yeah, I don't I don't think anybody would would necessarily want to at all. Um, yeah, it was it was that that was something special. You know, sometimes you forget you may not you may not have seen uh, Will Ospreay in a while, and then to see him in a match with who is base—I mean, it's all subjective as far as who is the best in what roster. But you know, Kenny Omega is definitely—you think you could say top three on the on that on that roster. Um, yeah, you know you're gonna get something special between those guys. That that match was amazing. Um, I, I I'm I, I watch so much wrestling. I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, that Kenny Omega, um, Will Osprey was better than Okada Danielson. They both were great. You know, it, it, they both were amazing. You know, I'm not gonna sit here and say one was better than the other. Well, I mean, it's 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 almost like saying what steak was better at what restaurant. They prepare things differently. They were both good in their own way. Um, my it, favorite it, is my favorite is still Applebee's. I don't know, just kill me now. Applebee. Okay, now okay, sorry, we're, we're going on a tangent here, Amanda. This is what we do. Okay, we're going on a little tangent here. <laughs> Applebee's, the riblet basket. I remember when I first got that. The riblet basket. I devoured that. I looked like Hannibal Lecter all around my mouth. You know, hello, Clarice. I mean, it was just insane. It was so good. Applebee's, so underrated. Amanda, I'm going to put you on the spot. Underrated restaurant that you think people do not give enough credit to. You know where every, like, every town, I hope, Maybe this is a West Coast thing, but I hope that there is a strip mall donut place that closes when they're sold out. If you have that in your town, it is guaranteed to be good because they are just, it is probably a sweet mama and papa of someone. They're making the donuts. And then once they're gone, they're gone. And they're not here to play games. They're going to go to church later. Or they're doing whatever. And so I think anything in a strip mall but particularly strip mall donuts. I think we, as a society, we've accidentally gone towards a chain donut, and that is not the superior donut. I agree yeah. with you. We have That's one of those in my neck of the woods. And which makes it such an, an interesting commodity is once they're gone, they're gone. That's right. their gimmick. Yes. 
scarcity. You feel like you have to get out of bed to go get that donut. You got to get that donut. If you don't get mm-hmm. the donut, what are you going to do? You going to have a waffle? Who wants a waffle? Well, the classic commercial, it's time to make the donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Butster, underrated restaurant. I mean, obviously, you're in another country, so this is a different situation. Um, but uh, underrated restaurant that you've been to that a lot of people don't give it its proper dues. A restaurant that I enjoyed in the States, It's a, it was a buffet. Is it? Old country? Mm, it was in Watertown, New York. That might be it. I thought that was fantastic. You see a lot of people who run the Springer Show in those places. Um, yeah, no, not uh, no. Old, old, old country some, buffet. I, I thought that was really good uh, for some, I, you don't have it up here. So I was like, yeah, we went in there. I was I enjoyed that. Uh, good restaurant that I like. I like the Keg Steakhouse. Nice. I know some people don't fancy that much. I I enjoy that myself. Nice. There's just no fast food. I don't I don't care for fast food. That and pita pit. You guys have a pita pit? You, you, know you, you in this pita bread thing. You don't like pita pit? Oh, I love no. pita pit. Oh, okay. God. Pita well, pit started here in Kingston. The first one. Should have ended there, too. Why do I put myself through this misery every Tuesday night? What is wrong with me? That's because you got a high salary. That's why. I got a... When's that salary showing up? Yeah, that'll be there soon. Checks in the mail. Yeah, okay, listen, yeah. listen. Listen, I'm not against pita. Okay, here's the deal with the pita bread. Everybody, my mom, will, I'll put it in the pocket, put it in the pocket. And the pita pocket doesn't have a whole lot of flavor. It just it just doesn't. It's very, very dry. I feel like I'm eating Jungle Boy shorts. I mean, it looks like that. And I'm like, why does this look like it's leather and it's made out of like dirt and wheat? It doesn't look appetizing. <laughs> It's terrible. It looks like something someone would make in kindergarten. And they're like, oh, here was what I made. And you're like, what is this? And they're like, it's pita. So that and chickpeas. Can't take it. No. You know you're a moron, right? <laughs> I have no problem. I am open to suggestions. Yeah, I suggest you stop being a moron. So Amanda, are you a big pita pan? Pita, pita, I can't even talk. Pita I, pocket. I do personally. like I do enjoy a pita. Um, Pita Pit was a good was a good drunk food because I'm close enough to the border that we could drive up when we were 19 and start drinking in BC mm-hmm. rather than oh. wait till 21. So we would oh. go. That was like every teenage girl's thing. We all drove. I don't know why we were driving to foreign countries in the early 2000s to go get drink sex on the beach, at just across the border bar. But there was a Pita Pit. And the pita pit was top-notch drunk food for sure. I like going when I'm sober. Well, I you know I've just never had it sober. I'm sure it still holds up. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hold on, Amanda. I want you to get in the car with the girls, and I want you to go try some pita when your blood alcohol is not at point two seven. And I want you to say, "Boy, this really tastes like cardboard and underwear." There you go. Uh, just does. out of curiosity, Freeland, how often do you eat underwear? Okay, let's go ahead and move very, on um, to our next and final match here on the card before we I jump thought. to WWE. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and let's talk about Brian Danielson, the aforementioned Brian Danielson. 
this is okay. This t-shirt writes itself. I beat Okada with a freaking broken arm. That's the new I won a gold medal with a freaking broken neck. This is a big deal. Uh many of you, if you have not seen this, Brian Danielson had an incredible match. Uh, with Okada at Forbidden Door, which so many people right now are saying is an instant classic. Uh, what some people don't know is, with 10 minutes left to go in the match, Brian Danielson actually fractured his arm, and it was the arm he used for the label lock. And he used the label lock to get Okada to tap out. X-rays were released on social media uh, either yesterday or today, and it showed that it's a pretty good break right there. He's not expected to wrestle for a while. Reports were coming out even before the match that Danielson was fairly banged up and that he was making TV appearances just to be on commentary and on the microphone. Um, let me first start off with the butt. Butster. Hell of a main event. I mean, once again, it, it could have been either way. You could have switched the last two. But what is it that makes Brian Danielson so damn intriguing to watch? That's a Great question. Um, well, obviously he's fan. He's amazing. Very technically sound. There's no doubt about that. He, I think a lot of it's just it's the underdog. He's I won't say still living off the underdog, but that's what we remember as the underdog. You, you just want to root for him. Not a real big dude. You know, you you know he's had injuries and whatnot, but he still goes out and puts off great matches. Like name name a poor match he's had. You know what I mean? Like With exactly. But this that's my point. Yeah. The yeah. four of us are looking at you like, uh, I don't know. Just you know he's always gonna put off a good match. And even with a broken arm, you still wrestled eight or ten more minutes. A broken freaking arm. You know, so it's just he's just a guy you you want to root for. Yep. He's just got that I'm cheering for this guy. You don't know why. You can't put your finger on, this is why I'm cheering for him. But you just are, and you can't help it. J-Bone, let me ask you, is it one of those things, is is he almost like a Brett Favre in a way? Like the love of the game is what keeps him going and in that, that childlike excitement for it, regardless of what's going on, he just he gives it his all? He's still hungry. Yeah. He's still hungry. He still has that, like, like I said, go back and, and listen to the the media scrum post, uh, Forbidden Door, and you really get a sense of where his head is at. And he just he loves wrestling so much. He loves working for AEW so much, and he's 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 to the point of like, look, just. Just give me a match with so and so, and we'll make it a five star match. And that, that's how much he loves it, you know. And then now, unfortunately, he's going to be out for several weeks. But um, but when he comes back, man, it's look out. No, I agree with you, um, Amanda. Brian Danielson is somebody who, when you when you look at him, he's mentored so many different people. And he's been a part of the industry for such a long time. And, you know, for him to, at this stage of his career, be still having these matches that are tremendous matches. 
where a lot of people say, you know what, it's probably time for you to start putting people over. Um, maybe not quite yet with him. What's your take on the 2023 version of Danielson as opposed to his final run, if you will, in WWE? Is there a, a contrasting difference between the two versions of the person? I think I think the current Danielson is very much um it's almost like having the opportunity to feel like you are more intimately invested in a longer retirement tour, right? So like we're thinking about Sting's last match or we're thinking about Edge's last match or even like a huge event for Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, stuff like that. But this is, you're not just chasing one match. Like we're along for the ride of this bucket list. And I think some of the magic of Brian Danielson is that we're all sort of in terror every time he's in a match, right? I yeah. mean, he's someone that we root for on an emotional human level. Um, had I seen, is it, oh, is it 93? What's the number? What's the Tiger Driver number? The one that will hit on Kenny. Is it a Tiger Driver 93? What is the number? Oh, anyway, it's, it's 97 had, or something. Yeah. Whatever it is. If yeah. I had watched, so seeing that, seeing Kenny take that was horrible horrifying enough if i had seen brian danielson take that i don't think that i would be able to keep typing you know what i mean it's a very different emotional experience it would be something where on a guttural level you go oh my god and it kind of adds this gravity to all of his matches because unfortunately that's like a very um I, I never want to see anyone get injured, right? That's not what any of us ever want to see. But there is that additional emotional layer in everything that Brian Danielson does that we are emotionally invested in staying with him to achieve the goals he wants to achieve before this career could be taken out from underneath him again, I guess. It's sort of how it always feels to me. So you have 10 minutes to go in this first time ever dream match with Okada. That doesn't shock me at all that Brian Danielson kept it moving, right? Like that is very on yeah. par with who he is as an on-screen character, but also just everything we know about him as a person and how much he loves wrestling. And then to kind of even have that post, that post-show scrum where he's talking about wanting that vengeance. Like, yeah, I want another, now I need another match with Okada. Cause I'm going to break his arm. Right. Like, you, you've taken this thing that I love from me. That's even more of like, you know, we everyone likes to say it's cinema, right? But I think that just if you can track one character over time and pull those threads in that you would find someone that has the emotional pull and the long-term relationship with the fans, it's Brian Danielson. That's, oh, that's absolutely. A that we all feel, and on a varying level and kind of a different spectrum, I'm sure not everyone loves him, but if any, even the people who aren't a big fan of him, if you see, when you see, what did you think of the like kind of seizure spot? So for me, as like a mom and as like a little Bella Twins mark from back in the day, that's like my homegirl's boyfriend. That's how I feel. So I can't deal with that. Like that to me was too far. But I also know that what, what Amanda deems too far is usually like middle of the road. So I don't ever feel like, I have the right answer, but I just, that was a moment in the match that I felt like, what's everyone else thinking about this? Like, does this feel as horrifying? Like, does it feel like it's too far or is it 
just you know it's on par with what the story we're trying to tell i must have missed it was this something that happened to danielson during the match yeah there was a couple different and they kind of referenced it on commentary but he um close to the final third i mean i would think it's before he actually suffers an actual injury but he had have had some um like almost fake convulsions. Like he was on the mat on his back. And I think Doc Sampson came in even at a point to like double check. There was someone else I had like read online that um, people were like, he should have did the cornet spot or like he could have had it like foaming at the mouth. Like that, like thought that it could have been further. And I just thought just what we saw was too far. So I didn't know. Maybe it wasn't as dramatic. Maybe that is because I'm super emotionally attached. And so I'm, I'm gonna have to go back on and watch moments it. in the match that maybe not everyone is. So yeah, <laughs> makes sense. It was scary for me. I don't like to see anything bad happen to anyone. I even got scared that time that he had that post dynamite angle where his leg was stuck in between the ring and the oh, ring. Oh, that was that was really well done. But it, that, it was I very, was he actually well. like terrified. Like I thought yeah. that was real. But yeah, so I think he's someone that we just are all emotionally attached to in a different way that 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 can never be only the in-ring story um, because it's a father and that's a husband and that's someone that I think there's also this little, a little bit of a narrative that um, he's in AEW because WWE was wanted to treat him with kid gloves more so that this is like a more, this option to end his career to kind of continue his career has more artistic freedom, but also, not necessarily someone who's stopping you from doing a spot because they're concerned about what it could mean for the future of your health and your well-being. It's a little bit more of a, like, I think it sounds to me at least that one of those things about AEW that he was excited about was that it was about more artistic freedom and to have that creative expression um, without someone who I think, my understanding is that Vince really cared about him and that he felt like sometimes that personal relationship held him back professionally just because he was very cared about, I would think, but no, but that makes sense a lot too, because if you have a relationship, a friendship with someone and you don't want to see them get hurt, you will take the helmet out of the player's hands. Yeah. And sometimes you have to be that person. And unfortunately, if the player decides that they still want to play, you can do it, but you're not going to do it around me because I don't want to be a part of it in case something goes wrong. And I can completely see that aspect of it, not only from a liability standpoint, but if you care about that person, like you said before, you don't want to witness that, especially not on your watch. Yeah. 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 That's tough. I, uh, I but will never had... witness anything terrible because Brian Danielson is going to heal up from that fractured arm yes. and come back and break Okada's arm. And then I can wear again and have my neighbor in her little sunroom. There was like near the end, he dropped one of those, like, I'm going to kick his effing head in. And then out loud, I went, kick his effing head in. And then I heard him yell in the kitchen laugh. I was like, oh, no, I've become that neighbor. That's that's what we're manifesting. (laughs) And we got to bring up the fact that he actually had Europe the final countdown yes. as this entrance music. Yes. It took me till he was like halfway down the ramp and it kicked in. All of a sudden it was like, wait, what? What am I hearing? 
it's just you hear a certain theme so much and then like so like you're hearing the old theme in the head it didn't click like, wait oh this is they're playing europe what oh that that was a pretty penny um so yeah, that was the first time i saw brian danielson it was when he wrestled moxley in milwaukee um for dragon gate usa and it was, I think it was Danielson's, one of his last matches before he went back to the WWE when he, when he got fired for choking out um, oh, the, the ring announcer, who's in AEW now, which is funny. Justin Roberts. Justin Roberts. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he choked him out, and he got fired, and then they, and then they brought him back. But, yeah, so he did a sling of um, he, um, a bunch of indie dates in between there. And I had the pleasure of saying that was my introduction to Moxley, too. But, yeah, when he screams, yeah, I'm going to kick your freaking head in or whatever. Um, yeah, that was – and then I got to meet him afterwards and got a picture taken with him. It's like you you don't realize who someone's going to be down the, road, down the road. And sometimes I look at that picture that I got taken with him, and it's like, man, the journey this guy has been on is Huge. just wild. And he's still that same. That's the thing here. He's still that same person. You can see it. In the the post-show media scrum, here's a quote from Tony Khan. He said, it was a very expensive song, the final (laughs) countdown. I had been working on it for a while leading up to the pay-per-view because I believed it would be a great moment and would give the match something special. Final Countdown has always been associated with Brian, and I thought it would be the cherry on the top of a cake that everybody wanted a slice of. They've been all been waiting for Okada versus Danielson. I was excited for Final Countdown, but it's also one of those kind of things that I knew I was only going to get one shot at using it. It was very expensive for a one-nighter. It was expensive as much as a professional wrestler's contract we give out, but it was worth it. I thought it added to the show. It wasn't as inexpensive as some would think, but trust me, it was very expensive. Um, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, let, let's throw some numbers out here. You think two million to play the song one time? Three million? No, God, no. Can't I'm, be that I'm, much. I'm guessing it was at least seven figures. Really? Oh my God, yes. Oh, then I, I'm just going to shut up then because I thought it'd be nowhere near that. I have no concept of that. I thought like a quarter of a million dollars. That's what I thought. Like, because I don't know when you say as much as a wrestler's contract, like how in my mind, okay, well maybe like not everyone on the roster's getting multiple millions, are they? Uh, no. cool. Only MJF. <laughs> but let's see here. Let me see here if I can find a little piece of information as I do my investigating. Um I could be way off. It's just a guess. Just yeah, I can see I, that though, because it is one of those. Aren't it? Isn't it like? Um, is it the Detroit Pistons? It's like only been licensed, kind of for actual use like that. Extremely okay. rare. I think it's not very much. It's very rare. So this is, this is the wrestlers' contracts. Now this is once again not everyone, but it's a few. Uh, John Moxley's making roughly six million a year. Um, Jericho's making three million a year. Omega three million a year. 
Dustin Rhodes is making two million a year. Uh, Nyla Rose two million. The Lucha Brothers are getting two million. The Young Bucks are getting two million a piece. Uh, and interestingly enough, Pack was right up on there as well. Um, and it was interesting because John Moxley's salary when he left WWE was only nine hundred thousand dollars, which is crazy. That's banana uh, lands. Less than a million bucks. That's foolish. Wow. Say what now? That's foolish for him to make less than a million dollars. Oh, I'm not disagreeing with you. That's that's just that's dumb. shocking. Yeah, I'm not it is shocking. Well, okay, let's talk about. Okay, let's kind of jump into WWE really quick here, Amanda. Let's let's talk about this. When we talk about contracts and money, mm-hmm. we talked about Sasha Banks, and Sasha Banks said she just wanted to be competitive somewhere in the ballpark of Becky and Charlotte. She wasn't. She wasn't anywhere near the ballpark. Do you feel like, and you, you both you gentlemen can jump in as well, now that we're kind of talking about contracts, we're kind of doing one of those jig-jog things. Do you think that Sasha was should have been in the conversation as a Becky or um, a Charlotte with, with money? I mean, absolutely. I think as far as star power and all of that that goes into it, I also always hold it in my sort of consciousness that there is like a totally separate business aspect of this that I likely know nothing about. Um, so what would kind of make sense to me um, would be that a, a Becky, a Charlotte is someone that has an immense amount of um, not necessarily political sway, but like, wouldn't that, wouldn't those two be the gals who um, absolutely would have the agents who know how to structure that contract so that they are getting the best possible outcome for their bottom line versus yes. where I just always think about there's that Sasha quote where she's saying like, I'm not, it's, I'm not going to butcher it, but like at the time it felt very important to me, even as a hospital social worker, because they used to do this to you too. They would abuse you and then they'd come bring a pizza to the unit and be like, here's your pizza party. Right. And it's like, well, I'm not just grateful for my pizza. I'm not just grateful to be here. At what point do I have a real seat at the table? Like, at what point do I actually have a real voice here? And I can understand where, from a Mercedes aspect, you're potentially just never going to get to that conversation based on the business aspect of the way that things are structured. And maybe, I I just don't know enough at all about how the contracts are done to speculate. It just, in my mind, it's not based on just talent and draw and sales. You know, it's this whole other multifaceted um, kind of algorithm almost of, of how, who gets what, but I know like those NXT gals, some of them are like at some insanely low amount of money, like less than a, like a Chick-fil-A employee. Like they make so little. Um, and I think that that's been like my new latest thing where I think it would probably cost more to be on XT and NXT than you're making there just based on everything that goes into it to be camera ready. I just can't imagine that they're even, they're banking this as an opportunity for the future, but also just as actually a livable wage, probably not so much. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I think she would be on par of deserving an, equitable amount of money but how those decisions get made i think is so multifaceted there's no way to actually know what goes into that yeah, there's, there's a lot of different bullet points i'm sure that that 
we're not privy to. But yeah, I think you nailed a bunch of them, honestly. <clears throat> Wasn't there a situation I want to say where? Oh gosh, I'm trying to think here. Um, back in the day, and so we're talking like when the Monday Night Wars were going on, that there was no before there was guaranteed contracts, right? Because the outsiders were the ones that kind of really got that ball started. Oh yeah, you were given Kevin Nash gave an interview one time. He said you were given ten dates at a hundred bucks a night. Or maybe it was 200 bucks a night, whatever it is. And then depending on how you do is how you end up growing. So that's how they started things out before guaranteed contracts. And when you think about how insane that is, I mean, you literally are rolling the dice on yourself. And if it doesn't work out, holy cow. But that is insane that, that some of the people in NXT are making so low and they're putting they could be paralyzed the next day. Right. I mean, yeah, no. they're, they're, inv they're making a huge investment in their future if it works out. And I think that for some of them, it will. And then others of them, it seems like a really nice landing spot for after a complicated collegiate career. Because I also think they're serving our, that next in line program for as sort of potentially strange as it sounds. It is a nice path forward for a collegiate athlete who has reached the end of their NCAA kind of eligibility and like what happens next. Um Someone like a Cavender twins, right? They might be taking a temporary hit to do this WWE contract because there are going to be some limitations on some supplements and things that they can like advertise for or whatever the heck they would be doing on TikTok that young pretty girls do. But now taking that that hit today, I think will set them up for a lot more opportunity in the future from so many different things. Whereas is that the best bet for like the grizzled young veterans, the dyad that happened on the end of the show tonight. They've, they've have next week is a loser leaves NXT match. Um, and you know, people have know they've asked for their release and that the contract only goes to mid October anyway. So are they getting written out now or um, is it a way to call up the Creed brothers? Cause that's who they're kind of the loser leaves NXT match against, but um, something like that, you're still putting in a whole heck of a lot of effort and you're putting your independent career but time that you could get important eyes on you or you could be doing those sort of legacy projects that you want to do. Um, you're putting that on hold in NXT. So a situation like that, is it worth it to them? Maybe not. No, I don't know. We'll have to see. Loser leaves town. We'll find out next week. <laughs> Jump, jumping over to the, the NXT side of things, let me kind of first start off here. Obviously, so many people fell in love with NXT with the, the uh, black and gold brand. You know, when you had oh, yeah. the, the Adam Cole era, which was the undisputed era, which was so awesome. And then we went into the Nickelodeon slime version of NXT, which where there were so many different colors all over the logo. And then obviously they kind of transitioned away from that again. NXT has kind of gone through a lot of changes. So from when you started covering NXT to where they are right now, how do you feel like that transformation has gone? And do you feel like it's going in a good direction? I love NXT. So I'm probably not the right person to ask because I think that that is a great TV show that also includes wrestling. If you like wrestling, you probably don't love NXT because it's not a, a lot of that in ring. Like the technical wrestling is not what you're getting there, but these kind of like, um, the way that they're able to 
interweave these sort of complex um, character stories that sometimes stick now, I think, is the, the thing that maybe feels a little more relevant. So I didn't watch a lot of NXT before, but something that felt like it was always very frustrating to the fans that had a lot of investment was something like, you know, you're, you love a character like a carrying cross and then he comes to the main roster and they basically just go whatever and like change everything about it. And it's not going to matter anyway. So who cares? And I think the continuity at least of what I've seen from when I started covering NXT to now is that at least in the call-ups that I've seen over the past year and a half or so, the character doesn't get thrown totally out the window. Um, it's not as though, you know, we saw Mello on Raw and it was very much Carmelo Hayes. There wasn't a lot of new bells and whistles. It wasn't this total reinvention. It is still him. Um, so I think the way that they tried to button things up before, it's like, let's get this character ready for whoever will inherit them before they inherit them, if that makes sense. It does. I don't know if they're trying to Vince-proof people, but... In my opinion, that feels like it could be a good strategy um, to try to make those adjustments tailored for that future audience while you're still in this more supportive environment. You brought up a really good point. Um, you had mentioned before, and I, I don't remember who said this, but it was a celebrity who was coming in to WWE, and they said, what was your experience with WWE? And they said, it was a television show that just happened to have a wrestling ring in it. And I don't remember what the quote was from. I mean, whoever's listening can, can look it up as well. But it was interesting that you made that reference as well, that, hey, this is a television show. However, if you're looking for the wrestling aspect of it, you might not be getting what you want, where maybe in the black and gold era, that's really what they position themselves to be. Almost the anti-Raw SmackDown, we're old school we give them, you know, the matches and the athletic confrontations and all that kind of stuff where you had the Adam Coles and the Andrades and the Kyle O'Reilly's and you had these great, great matches, Samoa Joe. And now you're kind of getting away from that. So let me ask you, do you think that it should incorporate more wrestling or do you think that fans really are drawn to NXT for more of the stories? I think the fans that are watching NXT are probably fans that are watching the other wrestling products as well across WWE. I don't know that they're like, I don't like a Venn diagram of interest. I don't know that the NXT folks are the same as like the honor club people who are like okay. really into this technical wrestling side of things. I think that those are good polarity and then everybody else kind of falls in this middle. So I think where they're going for is almost like at least when I don't understand things, I thought that they were shooting younger than I was. And so I didn't understand like, what is this for? Um, it's sometimes and maybe like a year or two ago when it was the splashier color kind of before it felt like Shawn Michaels took over sort of a thing. Um, it was very much um, felt like it was a 50 year old told a 30 year old, do what the kids like, pal. You know what I mean? And then they like tried to come up with what, but it was a lot of what me as like a middle-ish age mom thinks teenagers like. And so it would be like this lot that was lost in translation. Whereas now I feel like it seems as though um, perhaps 
the talent themselves have like a little bit more direction and how they present themselves or it's a little bit more collaborative so that they feel more natural. It just doesn't feel like, Oh, that's dope. And then like someone dabs, you know what I mean? It like was weird. It had, it was weird for a while. I remember when I first started, I was like, what the hell is this? This is the weirdest show. Like this show sucks. I really didn't like it at the beginning and it took me quite a bit of time. But now I'm like, I'm invested, but I do also kind of have this warm feeling towards these are like, you know, these are my little NXT kids. I'm like, you little Thea Hale, if I was a more popular girl when I was a teen, you could be my baby, you know, like, I just want this for you. And It's hard. I I don't know that I'm watching the same show as everyone else when they're watching NXT. I'm watching these little, my little Muppet babies and I love them and I want them to succeed and I get excited when they win, you know. But I think other people are like watching cool kids that are the same age as them. It, it does make sense. It does make sense. And it's neat to to have that uh, being expressed by someone else because I've kind of gotten that feeling as well when I watch the show. Now, not to say that they don't have great talent because, you know, I'm sure you've covered this, that there was a big amount of people who were called up to the main roster. Uh, what was it? Late April, early May. I mean, there was like at one point 19 and now obviously looking at their trajectory onto Raw and SmackDown, I feel like somebody, some of them have really hit the mark. What was your take on the call-ups? I think so many of them have been really effective. I can't believe Grayson Waller's had a broken leg the entire time. I don't know if I like missed that or if that was something that they, that he's actually like, that was just revealed today. I mean, I think I assumed that there was some reason why we hadn't seen him do like an actual match, but I didn't have any clue that the entire time he's had a broken leg. So he's been out there still making, in my opinion, like quite a splash on the main roster, but we haven't, Absolutely. if you just watch SmackDown, you've never even seen, you've never seen him take a bump. You've never seen him do anything, but you already know he's a big deal. And you know that he has charisma for days. Um, I have my best friend and her husband watch WWE, but only WWE and only like main shows. They don't deal with social media. They don't know anything about anything. And her, um, her insights are always hilarious, but she asked about his spray tan. She said that his, his bad spray tan annoyed her. And I was like, no, it's the character. Like that's Grayson Waller. Like he's meant to look sort of like a little cheesy, um, on purpose because he's not as cool as he thinks he is but like <laughs> so those kinds of like those not little details but those things that I think that if you if you're really like an NXT person that you you have in your brain that don't necessarily translate to the general fans that are viewing they don't they're not taking anything away from the characters I think they add to the characters but it's not like you know who we see Alba Fire and Isla Dawn are not, you can still get what that is without ever having to have seen NXT. Or even like a Caden, um, I get their names goofed up every time. It's Caden Carter and Katana Chance, right? Yep. I hope. Um, but even them, you don't, that, they're like, their whole character bit is just like, we're best friends. We're great. Like, we love to be a team. And that, that doesn't... Um, that need a lot of explanation. Like it pretty much went to the main roster. Okay. And we'll see how that goes. That whole women's tag division is its own two hour long conversation for another day. I was just about to, <laughs> I, I was just about to say it is something that we would need to do a drinking game 
Um, You had me at drinking. Yes. Uh, Just because obviously Shayna Baszler and uh, Ronda Rousey, uh, don't they hold the tag titles and they hold the NXT tag titles as well? It's been unified. So now there are tag titles that can be defended across all three brands. And um, Noam Dar has a faction now on NXT. He's the leader and their faction name is called Metaphor, like Meta and then yep. Dash and then the number four. And they, so it's Noam Dar, Aura Mensa, Jakar Jackson and Lash Legend. And so just tonight, Jakar Jackson had made kind of a challenge to Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey. So there's a potential that they could float down to NXT to face those gals, which would be a nice way to pop a rating. I don't know what that is. Well, that's, that's nice. That's, that's okay. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Amanda, because they had, obviously they moved Baron Corbin down to NXT and, and he's been doing well. Um, but then didn't they have Seth Rollins come down and they popped a huge rating. I want to say it was like upper 700,000s. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you feel like in some ways that's how they're trying to gain more NXT viewership is by saying, Hey, anybody can be here at any point in time. You got to tune in. I think it's helpful for that aspect. I think it also probably my like, just like no at all. I don't have scoops. I'm like the last person that has inside information, but just from kind of everything I've written and read, it seems like it's a good opportunity to, to package for um, media rights, like as three distinct brands so that someone who's looking to acquire WWE um, feels as though they're getting three big time ratings holders. Like kind of, these are the three on par, we are equitable brands um, in a good way. And I think an easy way that they've seen a lot of success in a sort of short amount of time has been to just have those top main roster stars floating down. And I don't even think that's been a long process, like over just even the last month. They, it was a little bit before, and they've had the folks that are free agents, but kind of having the bigger names, like having a Seth Rollins having a title match, something like that, um, has been fairly recent and felt like it came on pretty suddenly after the, is it the Fox and the USA exclusivity rights came to a close? So it was like Correct. once... Um, it's sort of all around that same time and you start having those Disney conversations. So it seems like a good way to incorporate that into the consciousness as, Oh no, it, this is a, this is a three headed monster that you're buying, not just a two with like a little friend, right? It's like, this is someone that can be profitable across all three shows. Rhea Ripley was there today. I don't know. I think it's fun. I think it's a nice way to make the talent um, feel important from both sides. Like you can float, I think sometimes it's less successful. I think the crowd last week kind of turned on Dana Brooke. I don't think that made her look like a super cool main roster star. I think that made her, I don't think that built up the Dana Brooke brand. Right. So I think sometimes that live crowd element might backfire on a couple people. Did you hear uh, what Dana Brooke went on to social media and said, uh, he said, you all think I suck. Okay. All right. That's fine. I get it. Like dot, dot, dot. So, yeah. She's someone who from everything I've ever read and any quote from any coworker just seems like she works really, really hard. And that that's something that this is her dream. Um, and 
I think it would be hard to have a whole crowd of people just like think it was funny that you were hurt or whatever. But oh, it was, you know, I do think that any reaction is a reaction. So if there's something that they can capture within that, like, guess what? I'm sorry. If they like making fun of me, then I'm going to start being so ridiculous so that all I do is they laugh at me and point at me and boo me and whatever, because any reaction in wrestling is a reaction. So I don't know if there's a way to pivot that character. Um I think she'd be a really funny, like, try hard, like a pick me girl. Like, it'd be a very funny, subversive thing to just make her on screen presence, like, ultimate stooge, um, and then have it still, like, still not work. But she could be that kind of um, surrogate for the crowd, because the crowd always loves an authority figure surrogate to be upset with, I think, um, is a fair statement. So if, if her, I think there's a way to make that character work on NXT in a different way so that you can harness the power of people being annoyed by her. Okay. Speak, speaking of the power, um, it's funny you mentioned a, an on-air stooge, and this may or may not um, kind of coalesce with what you were saying before, but who was the girl, and you, anyone can jump in and say this, who was the girl who was the, the superhero most recently? Oh, um, Nikki um, ASH. Nikki, yeah. Nikki. <laughs> so, do, w would you say, Amanda, it's kind of, kind of like that? Because I never, I mean, Nikki did get over, but I, I thought it was super cornball. I mean, I thought it was campy as hell. I think that people, like, I think that, I think it would be a fun character to have on NXT to be like the, um, not like a full QTV, like not like how they do it in um, AEW, but sort of that voice that's making reference to the internet wrestling community, right? Because she's kind of someone who feels or has recently sort of been a target of that. So make it more like, you know, she's the one calling people sweaty neck beards or she's kind of the one being nasty in that way and like taking those cheap shots just to rile up the crowd <coughs> and that like... um I don't know. I think there's something they can do with Dana Brooke. I, I think the like sweet, cheerful, like I work hard. I don't know that that is, I don't think it's, I don't know that it was resonating on the main roster and it doesn't sound like it, it doesn't feel like it flies in NXT either. Um, but as a performer, as a character, as a dynamic actress, as an amazing acrobat specialist, right? Like of all the things she can do, you can't take any of that away from her. I just don't know if she's been packaged in a way that can kind of make her feel like a star, right? She's she's there always, and she's got the foundational skills, and it sounds like she's a great worker, but there's that disconnect between She needs to be repackaged for sure, because her gimmick right now is just not working, and it's not going to. The fans no. have turned. It's, it's done. Yeah. You have to do something else now. If you keep going yeah. at the rate they're going, they're just going to bury her. And then they're I'm not booing you because they don't like you. They're booing you because they want you to get out of their face, and that's completely different. <laughs> that's a different, yeah. There's there's uh, there, there's heel heat, and then there's go away heat, as mm -hmm. they say. Yeah. yeah. I, and honestly, I I until I heard these little things about her uh, popping up on uh, NXT recently, which I don't I don't watch NXT a lot, but I try to keep up with what's going on at least as far as who's champ, who's beating who, who's, you know, women's champ and stuff like that. And like you said, they just brought a bunch of non-drafted people down to NXT. 
and of course he was one of them. And I was like, crap. I tried to remember. I'm racking my brains. I'm like, when's the last time I saw her do anything? And it was a dark match when she was coming out in like a pants suit and a clipboard and had glasses on. So she was like a secretary or something. And she was coming out with Titus O'Neil and was it Apollo Cruz when they were a short-lived tag team for a and while? That was a while. That ago. was a while, yeah. It was something like that. And I'm like, and I'm like, holy crap, is that like 10 years ago? Is she's she's okay, she's still around, you know. And 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 I am all for sending people down to NXT. Number one, you have the talent, you can help that next generation, you know, the, the, the saying is, you know, when you, you reach a certain point, reach down and bring up the next person. Um, I don't, I don't know how much she's going to be able to do that because I, the little I've seen of her lately, I don't know how good she has become. I hope she can help someone on NXT. I honestly do. And uh, just for a breath of fresh air, you're surrounded by different people. You're surrounded by different um, writers, you know. Um, yeah, hopefully, yeah. And even for, like, people like Baron Corbin, you know, any of those guys that are sent down there, um, hope they can, you know, repackage them or do something with them. Because I know when you were before, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, when you were sent down to NXT, you were gone in a month. <laughs> that's what that's that's no. what that meant. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, no, she has been around since 2013. She was signed to WWE in July of 2013 when she was sent down to Orlando, Florida. Now in NXT Takeover, uh, she had a fatal four-way, which was her first appearance in the segment. Uh, she also had matches with Alexa Bliss and Bailey. So that's when they were both still in NXT. That's a while ago. So interesting, interesting, interesting. Uh, she was the uh, the bodybuilder, correct? She was. Yep. Yeah, she always came out, you know, <laughs> like she was short in stature, but she was incredibly athletic. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give her that. Absolutely. Yeah. You you are correct. She did. I, I have a picture of her right here. 2018, she was along uh, Titus Worldwide, which was Apollo Crews and Titus O'Neil. 2018. Five years ago. My God. I I still loved the tag. I know we're, we're like, you know, straying off a of track here, but man, Titus O'Neil for a very short lived amount of time had one of the funniest characters and i think it was when he was still a tag team partner with no i can't think of his first tag team partner he's in he's in uh, uh new japan right now uh foster darren um, foster i can't think darren darren young darren that young it? Yes, that's it darren that's young. it that's it um and he was doing the no, he had a fro on and he was oh pancake Patterson or something like mm. that. <laughs> oh my god. Go back and look up some of those clips on YouTube. They are an absolute riot. And I don't know if, if someone would be like, No, you can't do that because that's like racist or something like that. But 
I'm not racist, but damn, I thought that shit was funny. <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at that right now. Um Amanda, let me let me ask you as far as people that we should have our eye on. I mean, Carmelo Hayes is tremendous. I'm, I'm sure we'd agree on that one. Do you think that he has the abilities to become who? I mean, if you were to compare mm-hmm. him, say, okay, I, I see him mm-hmm. in comparison to somebody that we've already seen before. Who would you make that comparison to? Like, easily Seth Rollins. Easily. I think... Um, I think he has the presence that given like a future, it's hard to compare anyone to Roman, right? Like, because he just occupies such a big space in everything that goes on right now. But I think even in the, like we're talking 10 years from now, could Melo absolutely be the leader of the strongest and most terrifying faction in WWE? Like, yeah, for sure. I believe it. I think someone we don't talk about enough or no one talks about enough is Julius Creed. Yes. Julius Creed's look is insane. He um I don't I don't know how that works out as a tag team in the long term, but I think just Julius Creed himself could be John Cena easily. Everything about his just he's super impressive in the ring. Like I think his actual technical wrestling is incredibly impressive, but he also kind of comes across as just a normal sweet guy but then also has an additional like element like his brother is here and he's you know there's there's a lot of story that you can get there where he becomes this larger than life kid favorite cody john cena type guy um in a decade from now, I could see it. My son could be wearing a Julius Creed t-shirt and freaking out for him. <laughs> yeah. I, I will the top. I will end it on this. I want to get your opinion. Uncut. Ava Rain. What do you think about that? I mean, obviously the Rock's daughter is a second generation. Well, actually, she's probably what third generation at this point. I caught myself almost calling her second generation one day, and I was terrified of getting descended upon by Twitter. She is certainly not second. No, she's probably. (laughs) How much nepotism happens here is going on with this right now? I mean, I I know a lot of people are probably looking at her going, okay, it's your father. I realize you probably got a good opportunity because of your father. Do you feel like that is unfair to a certain degree to say that and to hold her to such high expectations, especially this early in a career because pineapple haircut boy, uh, before he entered the nation of domination, I mean, he had those ultimate warrior tassels and he was just happy to be here. And do you think that, uh, she's really going to have to work 10 times harder than anybody else? I mean, I always think, If my, I mean, if my dad had that much money, if my mom and dad, because Danny is extremely, like Danny Garcia, her mom is also extremely successful and a CEO in her own right and all of that. If, if I just have access to that level of resource, I'm only doing what I'm actually passionate about um, because she could easily be chilling on a beach in Turks and Caicos, right? She doesn't need to be at the performance center busting her balls, but she is. And that's something that feels like 
if that's your dream and that's what's important to you, she should definitely maximize all of that nepotism. I'm big on take every opportunity you possibly can. I think at the end of the day, if she didn't have the name that we recognize and that it wasn't the star presence and that every article we write about her, we didn't write the rock's daughter, comma, Ava. Like, I hate that. I really wish I didn't have to do that, but that's how people know her and that's what people click on and things. But I think in the absence of those things, could the work ethic even it all out in the end? Yeah, for sure. Does she have to be the most amazing in-ring worker to still show up and bring a sort of unknown star element that someone else can't? I mean, I also think yes. So perhaps her future isn't, if, I don't know. I mean, I don't think I know enough about her and her, I've, I haven't heard enough about her perspective, but if she was, probably not Joe Gacy, but in the future to have just that kick-ass manager. I mean, look at what Rhea and Dom have done. A lot. It doesn't yeah. take away from what Rhea's able to do in the ring. It's not that she can't go in the ring and that she's choosing, she has to just go do this. It's like, that's an option available to her. I think someone like uh, even Scarlett or Maxine Dupree, there's all these like ways that you can be really impactful in a story and bring a lot to a set of characters without having a 60 minute iron woman match so i think ava could bring a lot in the future but with this much of a spotlight on you and every single move that you make it's just so i think it'd be so hard for her to learn um i think it's just so hard for everyone to learn no. though, right so no, when i get I back agree. to those are my babies my nxt babies so <laughs> you know like <laughs> Before yeah. we go ahead and uh, we wrap things up, I do want to throw to the butt for this week's It Grinds My Gears. Butster, the floor is yours. What what right now is giving you a case of the red ass? Okay. I got two. One that I already said I wanted to talk about, and another one happened to me today on my way home. So the one today is when you're at the supermarket, don't be the scumbag that parks right in front of the entrance. Just grip at the parking lot. Park this your car cool. in the parking lot. No, in a this spot. is a spot with the yellow lines. Yes. Don't be so damn lazy. I'm sorry. Amen. That drives me nuts. Don't be a scumbag. I agree. Do that grinds my gears too. Now the other one. Yes. AEW fans, if you're sitting in the first three rows, keep your ass in the seat. If you watch AEW any events, there's always a couple of assholes. They're in the front row that are standing the whole damn time, playing on the phone, just being twat waffles. They're just in the way. Wow. Nobody can <laughs> see nothing. If I'm there, I'm paying good money. I don't want to look at you. Sit your ass down. Have a good time. If something comes out and you pop for it, that's cool. You don't need to stand for three hours. Damn Sit man. down and stay off your damn phone. Oh, yeah. That would drive me ballistic i would strangle them wow well we don't want, you want eric and lyle menendez on anybody here at the events here butster so well it's it, just brutal like why why do you need to stand in front of somebody are you that much of a jackass that all you think about is yourself and it, they it, say it, everyone from canada is nice nuts. well no they're not you've been dealing with <sighs> for how many years i'm a miserable prick and yeah. i know it <laughs> At least I'm honest about it. I don't pretend to be anything else. This is true. <laughs> this is very true. 
And this is an installment of Grind Your Gears brought to you by Christopher Butt. Don't All right, be before scumbag. we don't be a scumbag. Before we go ahead and take it home, one last final thing. What is on your mind right now? What is the number one thing that you're thinking about when it comes to pro wrestling? Let's go over to Jay Bone first. Jay, what is it, man? What's the number one thing that's on your mind right now? Um, Seth Rollins theme. It's uh the first thing that because we, we we started talking about WWE stuff, but we really didn't get into the whole nitty gritty of uh, what's coming up with money in the bank and all that. Um, I tell you, Seth Rollins, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the bloodline stuff. It's definitely one of the best storylines that's happened within the last you know handful of years. But to see a guy like Seth Rollins and every week, you don't know what the hell he's going to wear out to the ring. You don't know what he's, I mean, you, you know, he's going to be entertaining, but my God, I mean, he is like the wrestler's version of Elton John right now. I mean, he is just yeah. stone cold crazy. Yes, he is. I love it. I absolutely love it. He's definitely one of my favorites right now. Um, and it just to he- hear the theme song, you know, and sometimes it just goes on for like what, what seems like five minutes or longer. And he just stands there and you see someone across the ring from him, like, like Finn Balor is just losing his mind. Can't get a, word and edge you know or dom or whatever um i think it's great i think i love it no i agree with you he is uh he's somebody who's doing it well right now and and he's been doing things very well for a long period of time and i think when you have that longevity with being able to get responses from an audience and being successful in the ring putting on great quality matches i think that's what makes somebody an icon i really do i think it's that it's that total package over an extended period of time that really leaves an indelible impression on on wrestling fans the black, uh, the, the, the black and gold brand from 2012 or whenever that like really kicked off solid and he was one of the staple guys and he came out with that streak of blonde hair yes and he, and he won that first championship and and was um uh congratulated by i believe it was uh triple h and 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 dusty Rhodes. um man you you knew there was someone special i agree i really um, do Manda, what is something that is really on your mind right now? I mean, I know you cover so many different things, and there's so many different people that you're interested in. But if you had to narrow it down to, man, I'm really digging fill in the blank. I'm looking forward to seeing how the women's Money in the Bank ladder match goes. Um, Just because I think pretty much any of them could win, and they could have some kind of compelling story come from it. Um. Like even, I'd like to see Zelina win. That would be fun. I liked the tease backstage with Becky and Rhea. Like I would enjoy seeing a year of Becky terrorizing anyone who's champion, just that she can. Um, <laughs> you nice. Um, yeah. So I'm curious to see how that goes. I love Eo Sky. I mean, like if if it ends up being kind of what I think 
you know, there's always these rumors and I never know what's true and not, but it kind of sounded sort of like maybe ish. It sounds like the plan might be EO. I think that's in and of itself a really compelling story. Just what happens with damage control and kind of how that um, could all fall apart with Bailey. It's really exciting. So we never know. Forward to that. Yes. Butster. Uh, collision. What's going to come of that? Yes. If we're going to end up with a divide that you hear rumor of in, in the locker, is Collision going to get over? Are they ever going to air it at a reasonable hour in Canada? Stuff like that. I think the thing about Collision is, it in its first episode, it had so much hype and so much buildup that it wasn't going to fail. I think people were going to tune in for the sake of, I have to see this now they've seen it. And I thought the first episode was great. I really enjoyed it. Here's what I've seen. And I don't know what is going on. Um, but the production value on collision and then dynamite, it's, it felt different. It felt like a real timed out show and it felt like it actually just it flowed in time went by really really well and i liked it and i'm kind of wondering you know is tony taking more cues from other people because in my opinion tony if i were to have been the owner of AEW i would have been the the financial guy but i would have put people who know the business in charge and let them run it and let me sit under the learning tree you know what I mean? And then let me just kind of absorb the industry as I go along and have them bring me along. Um, obviously, I don't necessarily think it's gone that way, but I think now he's starting to delegate things out a little bit more. And with Sanjay Dutt, who is a very creative person, Jericho, Brian Danielson, who's a big part of it as well. So I think there's a lot of other people that are kind of getting in Tony's ear. Plus, they hired the guy who was supposed to... Um, be the next Kevin Dunn from WWE, but Kevin Dunn didn't leave. So he's like, what the hell am I going to do? They brought him in. His name is, is flipping my mind right now, but they brought him in as well. And Will Washington came in. And I think there's a lot of people there who I feel like Jimmy have, Jacobs, Jimmy Jacobs yeah. came, man, that Good blew call. my mind with the Jimmy Jacobs thing. Cause we just saw him on impact wrestling yeah. backstage leading up to uh, against all odds. And now he's in AEW. Yeah. But they, they had a tough hit to the ratings last Friday night. And I know a lot of people were saying, eh, I guess CM really wasn't much of a draw. Guys, it's Saturday night. Okay. And the but and I've talked about this, and, and J Bone talked about this earlier. There's only so much time you can sit and watch wrestling. I mean, oh yeah. There, I mean, and Amanda, you know this. I mean, you watch so much, you almost don't want to watch it. Um not because you don't like it, but you just you need a change. If you eat strawberry ice cream all the time, yeah. maybe I want chocolate or vanilla for a while. Um, mm. It's it's difficult, but I do I do think Collision is going to be a fun show. But the big thing is they have to highlight their younger talent. Mm -hmm. They have to. Yeah, they have to change it up. Yeah, they have to. It can't just be these veterans all the time, because you're going to see these guys. There's going to be a mutiny. It's what happened in WCW. They said, well, we're not even getting highlighted anymore, so we're going to leave. Yeah. So, but, all right, it's uh, promo time, so I'm going to go ahead and send everybody around the horn. First of all, I'm going to go to the Butster. Butster, where can people find you? Where can they reach you? Uh, all your details. Yeah, Twitter at gotnoof2291, at G-O-T, 
NEWF2291. Uh, Facebook, CB79, Wooden Toy Maker. Uh, if you're looking for a project done or if you want to look at my catalog, you can check it out there. Give me a follow, give me a like, send me a message. Love to talk to you about them or anything. Guy is a fantastic woodworker. When is your next big show coming up? Saturday, Canada Day. Uh, nice. The Hollow Square Market, Newburgh, Ontario, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Perfect. Get your information there. Once again, follow him on social media. Hit him up as well. Uh, is this, obviously, they have to pay for admission, I assume? No. No admission. Uh, it's free to get in. Uh, it's a family-friendly event. Um, food trucks there. All kinds of vendors. All vendors Ooh. are handcrafted. So there's no second-party sales. It's all firms, farmers, bakeries, you know, some woodworkers there. Everything's hand done. Uh, fire trucks are going to be there. There's a big parade. It's basically Fourth of July for Canada. It's Canada Day. It's it's quite a big do. I'm I'm so proud of the butt, and I've said this before, but I'm going to say it publicly. Um, he is a guy who is about as humble as a day is long, but is more wildly talented than I am, and he has it in his pinky finger to do what he does in his wood shop and. To know how many people he has made happy with his product and what he does. And, and I'm not going to go and spill the, the beans, but I'm, I'm proud of him. He deserves all the recognition. Please go ahead and, uh, and hit him up on social media and buy some toys. So Thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. Absolutely. J-Bone, let's go over to you. Give me the deets. Where can people find you? <laughs> I'm running the board here, so it's like I'm doing... Yeah, I'm giving you full screen. What is going on? <laughs> How can people find you? The whole nine yards. Uh, you can find me on a uh, Twitter box at jbone5150. That's J-A-Y-B-O-N-E 5150. You can also find me at uh, Smash This Podcast or Total Nonstop Impact. Uh, that's on YouTube, Twitch, and uh, wherever you get your podcast audio, all over the place, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. Anything else going on with you in your personal life? By the, by the way, I'm going to mention this. That room looks sweet as hell. I'm looking oh, at all you. of these. This that that is a perfect backdrop. Wow, it's evolved over the years. Um, I'm 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 proud of it. It's uh it's uh, it's, it's uh, the collection's growing. It's one thing that I've really gone nuts on over the last let's say couple years is uh collecting action figures so uh so yeah it's uh i wish it was a little clearer so you could see what's what but that's okay it's uh you know what's back there is that a carlito apple t-shirt on that skeleton no no that's (laughs) that's uh that's a total non-stop impact oh okay But, but but that is but that is jake's uh, snake. I stole Jake Roberts' oh. snake. So yeah. Oh, not yeah. say. Yeah. I won't say a word. I promise. Okay. Is it Damien or is it uh, what was the other one called? Damien and uh, Lucifer. Oh. Was it? I yeah. There it was, was a, a. There was a. There was a boa, and then there was a python, and yeah, yeah I forget. And then he had the one that bit Randy. Good God. Um, that, was, that was a cobra. That was a cobra. First of all, who in the hell let somebody? No craziness. Let's go to Amanda right. here. 
Amanda, it was daylight when uh, it started. It's now getting dark, and you have been so, so gracious with your time. Uh, give everybody the details of all about you, social media, where they can find you, when your show is, and any website information. Oh, um, I always forget. I think it's underscore Amanda Savage on Twitter. Um, and then just pretty much, if you go to WrestleTalk.com and you click anything, someone really cool wrote it, and they're very nice, and they deserve you to read their articles on the toilet, like me. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's, like, in my mind when I'm writing something. I just hope that, you know, wherever you're getting bored in your day and you just randomly click on this little website, I, I give you something to read while you're waiting in line or doing whatever else you're doing. So that's pretty much it. I don't have a podcast or anything. This was really fun, though. Thanks for letting me on your podcast. This is my first podcast appearance. Are you serious? Yeah, I did a interview with Tom from Tom Talks Rubbish, who is just so sweet and so wonderful. But um, yeah, I I I never done this, so that's wow. Fun. You, I gotta say, for someone who's done this for uh, a few years, you killed it. So really, oh well, yeah, thanks. You did. yeah, thanks. That's so Good nice job. to hear. Jeez. Well, thanks, Look at guys. That. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for letting uh, me hop on after the end of NXT. Oh, heck yeah. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. So much fun. Guys, once again, please follow all of these fine individuals. Uh, support them. Uh, read the articles. Follow the podcasts. Download the podcasts. And once again, if you're in the area of the butt, go ahead and check that out. Uh, also, check out his catalog he has online. It is quality products you're definitely going to be happy about. Um, with that being said... My name is Mike Freeland. It has been fun. I don't have any other shows. I don't really make anything. Um, and I don't have a really cool toy collection room. I have a, I have a blue wall behind me. But uh, with that being said, this has been the Front Row Material brand. And we'll catch you next week.